Hello and welcome to this episode of the Horror Drafts Podcast. I'm your co-host, Brantley Palmer, joined as always by my fellow co-host, Mr. Nicholas Schwartz. Nick, how you doing today? I'm doing great, Brantley. It's been a little while, so I'm excited. Yeah, I know. It's been almost two months, and I, I know we have some fans who are have hit me up and been like, where's the next episode? And, you know, hey, I've got good news for everybody. Not only do we have a new one today and a special one, but we got a few lined up here, Nick. This is exciting. We really don't usually have like a runway here where we have like a few guests already like lined up and ready to go to record. Uh, but we got that now, and we also have a special episode for you today. This episode it throws the formula out the window. Okay, you've listened to these other episodes we've done, and you like when we draft a topic. Well, we're doing a horror draft today, but it's a little different, and it's special because we have a returning guest, the deep sultry voiced co-host of the five day Reynolds podcast our good friend and all-around great dude it's bones bones welcome to the pod thanks man i wish i could have sucked on some helium before that <laughs> <laughs> really that just came in with a high-pitched voice you. yeah yeah oh yeah. <laughs> uh, it's great to be here man oh, love talking so to you guys to have you yeah this yeah is we love it this is great Thanks for coming on, man. This is, uh, and you Always brought us. Always appreciate your time. We do, and you and you brought us this idea, and I think it's really fun because uh, I like to mix things up. I like to kind of try out new things, and uh, I'm excited with your uh, your idea here for uh, the episode. But uh, we'll get into that in a second, everybody. Yeah. You know, we got to start it off the way we always do. What have we been watching, listening to, uh, reading, or otherwise enjoying? And we always start with our guest. Bones, take us through it, man. What you been enjoying lately? Oh, man. Uh, this Resident Evil 4 is mm. just chewing any free time I have. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not sure when we'll get this out, but as of this record, in a few days, I'll be going on uh, our friend George's podcast. Nice. That's a little horror house in Philly. He's bringing a few people together to kind of, it's horror adjacent. So we'll be chatting about that. Um, this was a game I played the shit out of when I uh at the time I worked at the video store that our podcast is loosely based off of I think I even stole a ps2 copy from the video (laughs) store and I think a strategy guide at one point um uh, having an absolute blast with it it is uh truly uh there's just such a love of American b-movie crap uh throughout that story it's my favorite mm. resident evil sort of of piece of content um nice. so that's been a blast i have also been taking my wife through luther i'm oh. not sure if you guys are familiar with that show oh, with, so. um, uh, what's the lead's name i can never remember idris, idris elba, idris elba yeah, yeah thank you thank you yeah um a show i fell in love with uh, very early on back in my ems days mm. uh just stealing like pirating copies of it you know, once it was available in the BBC and, and ended up on the internet just to like stay up on it. Um, but they had a, I think Netflix just dropped a movie, um, like a two hour, like conclusive movie. I don't know if it continues on after that, but I told her I want to watch that. She was interested. So I've slowly taken her through it. There's a, there's a limit with how much I can show her. Like we have mm. very differing tastes, but, mm. uh, this seems to be working. If you haven't watched it, I highly recommend it. Seeking it out. 
I uh, I know I've I watched some it. of it, but you know those British shows they're like three to six episodes, so I, I don't know exactly how many seasons of it I uh, I watched. Um, but I yeah. want to say I watched the first two, maybe. But that was ages ago, so it's been yeah. a while. And really, you know, I'd be due for a, for a rewatch of it myself. You can certainly knock them out quick, and I would I almost wish we did that more over here. Like we mm. put the budget of, of 10 episodes into four episodes because mm-hmm. everything s- seems really highly produced. Um, yeah. And I'm a, I'm not a Anglophile in the sense like I don't care about Royal weddings and coronations, but mm-hmm. and British investigation dramas just, <laughs> I, I, I don't know wh- what they've figured out that we haven't done over here. <laughs> yeah. You yeah. Know? It's true. Like the people look real. They're not, uh, you know, it's not a team that's like an Israeli supermodel and a <laughs> hip computer hacker. You know, everybody yeah, like yeah. is has bad skin and is a little lumpy, but you love them. So, mm-hmm. yeah, a lot of their, uh, I imagine, detective uh, mystery shows are, uh, you know, what everyone thinks The Wire is like one of the greatest shows and stuff, and know all of their shows have characters that look and feel as real as as the wire does pretty yeah. much yeah which r.i.p lance reddick i know we're coming out like weeks mm. after that happened but uh boy that was crushing. well speaking so, of uh you know nice contained little things i know the continental series is just going to be like a set number of ep- like three episodes yeah I think, Ooh, is what yeah. they just announced. Nice. so mm-hmm. oh, that's, that's kind of cool i like that yeah i was going to say when you were mentioning about you you wish they did that more over here i'm like i feel like we're getting there you know, I hope so. Yeah. Most TV seasons, you know, especially network stuff, it used to be like 22, 24 episodes a year. Now it's down to like 18 for those like prime, like, you know, network uh, procedurals and stuff, it feels like. And then you get like some, now that the age of streaming, you know, like 10, 8, 6 episodes, it feels like, for uh, some seasons. It feels like we're yeah. moving in that direction. HBO seems like they'll do that too. You know, mm-hmm. they did that with Game of Thrones, where one season would just be seven episodes because they would just put the budget of two, right, two or three episodes into one, which I was totally fine with. Or even making them, you know, breaking the the standard time format and going to an hour and fifteen minutes every once in a while is oh yeah, yeah. is fine with me. Yeah, that's the benefit with streaming. You know, you don't yeah. generally have to worry about act breaks when you're writing it, and you can kind of don't. You're not constrained by a specific you know time that you need to fit into so that's that's pretty great right on well what about uh, you guys uh i'll go um scream box which uh for anyone who doesn't have it it's an excellent horror streaming service um i i they're fair starting to really um um get ratcheted up here i feel like in the past few weeks like the start of april uh, a lot of good stuff coming in um, and one of the new things that came in, and this was particularly of interest to me because the With Gorley and Russ podcast covered the Chucky franchise, and the documentary Living with Chucky uh, was added to it. And this was directed by Tony Gardner's daughter, um, who you know has helped her dad out uh, in her own right with the special effects and stuff on uh, some of his productions. And she basically made a feature-length documentary about the Ch- Child's Play franchise, Uh which very much seems like, you know, labor of love on her part and had like strong familial ties and also had some like interesting uh, themes about like how much of a family that community who made uh, the Child's Play franchise was. So uh, that was pretty exciting. And I'm seeing like 
a lot of the same onset photos that I found for the guys and everything going through, uh, you know, when I was doing research for it. So that was really fun. And, you know, I feel like the Child's Play franchise is one that I have a, like, good amount of knowledge of having done all that uh, research for the pod. So I give the doc high marks like anything. It's going to be a little biased. I mean, it's being made by Tony Gardner's daughter. Tony Gardner came on in seed of Chucky and took over all of the special effects from uh, Kevin Yeager, who had created the Chucky doll in the original one and had done all of the films up through, excuse me, bride of Chucky and who married, um, Oh, I feel bad now because I'm blanking on the the actress from the first film's name. But uh, they married after a meeting on the set of the original Child's Play. Um, God, I feel like an idiot. The one who played the mom in the first one. Jesus. Oh, um, um, oh really? They're married? Yeah. Um, she had a crush on him during filming. She's like 11 wait, years old. Wait, am I wrong? Him. Is it Virginia Madsen? No, it's not. No, it's, it's not Virginia Madsen. And, Why am oh I thinking God. of Virginia Madsen? <laughs> Um, also a blonde actress of that time period. Um, I get it. Was she in... She was in Star Trek Four, I think. That's my, like, main reference of her, I think. That may be uh, Virginia Madsen? Catherine Hicks. Jesus, God. Oh, yeah, okay. Sad that I had to look it up. Um, no, it's actually a fun story about them getting married she had like a crush on him and kevin yeager at the time he had this like long flowing hair and everything and <clears throat> i mean i get it like who would find who, who wouldn't find that irresistible but at the rap party you know they kept it very professional during the production and at the rap party she kind of pulled him aside behind the sets because they were on on set and uh, so behind it and away from everybody she was like hey like am i crazy or was there kind of like you know like a thing between us and he agreed and they kissed on set there with the the skyline uh the fake skyline behind them and everything and they've been married ever since uh i believe they have a daughter together if i'm remembering correctly so lovely story uh but you know kevin yeager and katherine hicks aren't in the documentary i don't know why i i don't know if maybe they just didn't want to participate or what so there's definitely like that element to it where you feel like you know someone who's very prominent to the creation of the doll and to the um you know success of the franchise wasn't included uh which was a, a little interesting um that they weren't there so that's probably like my only negative i'd say for um for the doc but if you're interested in learning more about the franchise, check it out. Um, it's a pretty informative doc in that sense. Um, the other and it's one coming to VHS. Yes, um, exactly. It's, Alex it's is come putting out it out. On, so. Yeah, our previous guest, uh, Alex DiVincenzo's line of... Uh, he's also known as Broke Horror Fan on like the socials if people want to look him up. Uh, yeah, his VHS line is going to be putting that documentary out. So that's really awesome. Yeah. Uh, through Witter Entertainment, right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So I haven't seen the doc, there. but I'm definitely excited for the VHS. I'm going to pick that up. Yeah. And, and it's interesting because the doc uses uh, interstitials where like they take the VHS of the movie and put it into the VCR as they like, it's like their interstitial to introduce each different uh, film. Oh, nice. Thing, oh, that's is, cool. Uh, yeah. That's fun and interesting. Um, the other one I want to talk about, cause I've watched a few things, but you know, we got all these episodes lined up, Nick. I can't, can't talk about them all. So I'll just talk about one more. Uh, what is it on uh, Peacock? Uh, Megan came to Peacock and, and had its unrated version. 
that came to Peacock. And I was excited for this because I didn't get a chance to see it in the theaters. I'd heard how fun it was, and I was super excited to check it out. So I watched it, and I thought, that was all right. You know, it wasn't... Maybe I just got a little too hyped for it. Maybe I just thought there'd be a little bit more to it or something. But I was like, okay, I get. I bet. I bet if I was in a theater with a bunch of people and they were laughing and having a good time, my enjoyment maybe would have been a little bit higher on it. But it just seems okay. Yeah, that was all right. You know, there was no surprises in it whatsoever. I mean, there's quite literally. Um, I'm just Jesus. Wow. I get to recording and all of a sudden everything leaves my brain. What's that uh, rule in writing a screenplay? The the gun rule in the first act. What's that called? What's the guy's name who did that? No, oh, the Russian the, dude. Yeah, the Russian. Um, if you see, uh, it begins with a C or something. Chekhov's like you, gun. Oh, Chekhov, Chekhov's yeah. gun. Oh, I almost said yeah. Schrodinger's gun. I, <laughs> that's what was in my head. And I'm like, yeah. I know that's not right. That's the cat. Yeah, um, yeah there, there's literally Chekhov's robot. In yep. it, in the first act, and I'm just like, as soon as that happened, I'm like, oh, I know exactly what's going to happen in the finale in the third act here. <laughs> like, it was just like, there was like no mystery to the movie whatsoever. Like, I just, I feel like I saw exactly where it was going to go. There was nothing that like was in any way surprising. And so I felt kind of bored watching it, even though like it is a silly in, in some ways and fun um, film. And I'm happy it was super successful. Like again, we've talked about this on this podcast. I want every horror movie to succeed, even if I'm not like a huge fan of it. Um, and it it actually kind of reminded me, Nick, when we talked about the best of the 2022 and why I had X above Pearl, but I don't think I articulated very well in that episode. Is that by the very nature of Pearl being a prequel and knowing about that character and where she goes, mm. I felt like I knew where a lot of that story was going. So in the same way, there wasn't as much surprise from Pearl, even though the performance was phenomenal and I love the filmmaking in it in general. Um, And that's why I rank X a little bit higher because X still had like mystery to me. I wasn't sure exactly how everything was going to play out essentially and was surprised with certain areas that the film went, which is why I think I mentioned like, like watching Pearl elevated X in my mind and maybe that's not fair sort of thing i think that's kind of what i was where i was coming from in in regard to that no it makes perfect sense yeah yeah that's the that's the problem with prequels yeah i think there it is yeah by their very nature right like you just it's difficult to have much in terms of way of surprise or compelling drama when you essentially know where the story's going to end up yeah absolutely And, and the other thing it reminded me of too is what we talked about in our child's play episode when we talked about the remake and we talked about how much is lost in that character of Chucky when it's an AI as opposed mm. to being, you know, um, you know, a soul of a serial killer that has like this um, charisma and like personality to it. And that's sort of how I felt about Megan. I mean, she has this weird like personality, but it is still just like AI. And it like, I don't know. It just, it feels um yeah, not as compelling as like when you have like a, a human character that's imbibing a, a killer doll, basically. Did you but see it, Nick? Megan, no. I, okay. And I'll say this: I really wanted to because um, that I can't. I don't know his name off the top of my head, but that filmmaker did Housebound, which mm. um, one of my favorite, you know, 
horror movies of the last like 10 15 years he's it blew me off my feet um and uh and from what you're describing brantley it's very much the opposite of megan in that it's the least predictable movie that oh, you'll ever gotcha. see like yeah. going with no expectations and you will have no idea where it's going um mm-hmm. and it's uh it's great fun so i was like yeah i should definitely check out megan but um yeah yeah i don't know um i've heard I mean, mixed I th- things i think it's worth it to check it out i just you know just don't go in with super high expectations i think maybe mine were a little high i was hearing so many good things about the film from like everybody it seemed like so I yeah. think maybe I was skewed a little bit going in. And then listening to the Nerds, Geeks, and the Kitchen Sink episode that Bones was on, they talked about it on that episode. And Bones was kind of like the lone dissenting opinion of like, eh, it's, you know, it's fine. It's all right. I don't get what the big fuss is kind of deal. So that was, I think, the only like somewhat mixed review I even heard before I'd like watched the movie. And, uh, and I found myself coming down on the side of, of bones i even rewatched it a second time because i was like maybe i just like wasn't in the right frame of mind or something you know like sometimes you're yeah. trying to watch something but then you're like you know you're feeling the pull of your phone and stuff and it's like okay well is it because the movie's boring or because i'm addicted to my phone or like you know like whatever and i'm not like fully engaged or engrossed but i think again just because i felt like there was no surprise or mystery to the film i think that's why i was just not super engaged with it in in general yeah you know i think you're 100 percent correct in that i mean i saw it in the theater with a minimal crowd and had minor reaction and and that was enough for me to enjoy certain parts of it mm-hmm. but i could absolutely see a friday or saturday night opening weekend where oh, nobody yeah. knows what we're really going to get where that's you know a lot of fun but those i don't find that those movies stick with you and mm-hmm. even in this short time as you've been talking i'm like i i don't remember I I know the Bruce the Chekhov's robot. Yeah. I know I questioned why you wouldn't hear a pressure washer at certain points. Um, <laughs> yeah, but and I think those movies should exist. I like you said, like I want them to do well. I want I want crowd pleasing movies like that. But yeah. also at the same time, uh, it does seem like a a bummer that when a marginally okay movie gets a lot of buzz. It's like, is that buzz wasted on that when it could have gone to Housebound or, you know, something else yeah. that, you know, would would serve us in the long term? Well, and that's a really good point. And it's like, I mean, the marketing campaign behind this movie was phenomenal. Like, I give yeah. the, like them a ton of credit. Like, they, they really did great. I was seeing it, you know, like having all those fake Megan, you know, those people pretending to be Megan dolls go into, like, coffee shops and all like, order at the same time and have synchronized movements and be creepy and weird, like... That's great. You know, that's a lot of fun. But, you know, yeah, a studio is going to put a comparable amount of resources into the marketing that they do generally, at least, into the budget. And so higher budget horror movies are going to get that higher level of marketing and support. And, yeah, you wish sometimes if they're just okay that, you know, a little bit more disproportionately higher amount of marketing and resources went into those smaller, more, um, you know, better horror films i guess yeah yeah but anyway that's enough of me yapping nick what do you got for us what you been enjoying lately um honestly not much horror related um Mm. i've been catching up on some other stuff um i yeah I, i watched the john wick movies for the first time i know i'm way behind uh recently and and obviously it was a blast um nice and speaking of prequels again 
What's that? No, I Did haven't you seen four yet. Okay. No, okay. I was trying. I mean, the, the hope was to yeah. So the first okay. three, um, couple times, and yeah, they're obviously they're phenomenal. They're just yeah, a nice. blast. Um, and my one fear with the Continental, apart from I, I didn't realize Mel Gibson was in it, which is kind of a bummer. Um, but uh, it's just like I, again, the pitfall with like prequels is what was so great. I mean, obviously the action is phenomenal and everything, but what's so charming about that movie for me is the universe is just like, so you just, everyone accepts that it's just this weird universe full of assassins. Like there's world building in the movies for sure, but like, Mm -hmm. I don't want or need to know the history of it. Like the charm of those movies for me is that we're like just thrust into the middle of this like bizarre world where like seemingly everybody on the street is a fellow assassin and they live by these weird rules and they have these hotels all over the world. And it's like, I don't really care about what led to that. That's not really the point. It's so much fun to just kind of just like accept it that we live in this weird alternate, alternate reality where, um, you know, these people are just, yeah, I don't know. So I'm, I'm apprehensive, but I really am kind of like, I'm excited about the continental coming out anyway. I'm glad they're kind of expanding the franchise at least. Um, yeah, We'll see where it goes. But, um, yeah, no, not much lately. I have been fully, as you know, Brantley, I've been fully consumed with The Shining as of late. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, and as of always, it's, it's not a huge change, but, like, especially lately because um, uh, Lee Unkridge's book just came out, and mm-hmm. uh, I've been consuming everything I possibly can in, in uh, anticipation of that book. And uh, the book has finally arrived, and I have not yet had a chance to crack it open. It's huge. 33-pound <laughs> package, and I am uh, I cannot wait to, you know, tear into it. But, uh, yeah. yeah. So it's been all the shining all the time for the past few weeks for me. That's awesome, dude. Which I has can't been wait great. for you to get into it, because I know you and Lee have kind of struck up a little bit of a, a friendship there, chatting up and over your shared love of The Shining, and uh, you know, I imagine he's going to have so much stuff in that uh, book that's going to be really cool for you to get to discover. So that's awesome. Yeah, very, very excited to to look into that more. Uh, it's going to be great. Yeah. For anyone who so. is listening to this and doesn't know, Nick is um, a really big Shining fanatic to the point that he's been asked to like introduce the film at Alamo Drafthouse screenings and things of that nature. And uh and uh, has a collection of memorabilia nicknamed The Shrining. Um, so he's uh, one of America's foremost experts on The Shining. I think oh, that's I fair to say. You, you, may nice not, you, to say. you may not accept it, but I think that's a fair, I think that's a fair thing to say. Well, it's awfully nice. I, <laughs> I definitely appreciate it. I mean, Lee, Lee is probably the foremost expert on it. He literally wrote the book, the 33-pound the book. But... Uh, but Nick's uh, Nick's up there, I would say. <laughs> I bet oh, you read you. that faster than I'm getting through Heat Two. Oh, how's Heat Two? <laughs> it's good, but it's so dense. Um, I mean, it's you could tell it's a Michael Mann thing, but it's it's <laughs> taken me four. I can read about four or five pages, and I just have to like I'm occasionally looking up technology that he's referencing or mm. cities that I'm not familiar with. So. Yeah, uh, that's Did cool. I, I, uh, I thought I saw that they there there's a deals being made to he's going to yep. direct a heat too now. Yeah, that's going to happen apparently. Yeah, I, I'm look. Well, we'll I, see if it really does happen. I know. Uh, he's yeah, planning we'll on see it, if it actually happens. And 
I mean, I'm trepidatious, but also excited. I mean, Heat is one of my favorite films. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, I incredible. could watch an eight-hour version of that three-hour movie. So, I mean, <laughs> part of me wants more, and part of me is like, it's perfect. Don't mess with it. You know? Yeah. And again, you know, it's knows? a prequel, right? Um, Heat 2? Well, or is the it not? Book, the book is a sequel, because it takes place after the events of the of the film. Mm-hmm. But, oh. I, but Heat 2, the, the deal for the movie... I think might be a prequel. Like it's going to deal with like the younger um, um, Robert De Niro character. Um, right. Oh God. Yeah. Neil. Yeah. Neil, Neil Macaulay. Yeah. Right. Macaulay. Neil Macaulay. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. they, yeah, they, they jump back. Oh, so oh, it, oh, that's right. The book. Yeah. It jumps around. So the book, me. the book does jump before and after. Uh, so okay. without giving it away too much, it picks up directly after. And then it will cut to the past. Then it will sort of jump back forward. Um, it's not yeah. jarring. It's actually, but as I'm reading it, I'm thinking, man, if they did get to continue this, whoever gets to replace Val, that would be such an awesome role. Yeah, like oh, it's, nice. It would. It where he takes it is is. Uh, I'm jealous of whoever gets to do that. If I could drop yeah. like 80 pounds, you know, and. <laughs> just keep my hair dye, as long as it is blonde. maybe yeah, yeah maybe a little 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 brighter <laughs> yeah yeah Such he, a cool uh, he's like the only one who survives right isn't he the only one who survives and is free basically not in mm-hmm. any custody yeah yeah so yeah I, I i have the book but i have not had a chance to um to read it yet i had started it when i had it out from the library but i did not get very far so um i don't think i really got to much of the prequel stuff in it so but yeah, I'm I'm excited, but a little nervous. We'll see. <laughs> yeah, and he's I mean he's not young, so no, we'll see. No. And I don't Ferrari think like if he doesn't product. wind up doing it, is it going to happen? I don't think so. <sighs> yeah, I, it's so closely tied to him. Mm-hmm. It's sort of how I weird. feel about New Indiana Jones. Like, mm. yeah, that's true. Am I going to be more forgiving of it because it's not Spielberg? Or I think Gorley and Rust even said, like, there's a weight lifted because it's not him in a way, yeah. like in their mind. But that's interesting. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see how it goes. I mean, I think, you know, I have to imagine, you know, there's always the weight of taking on this big fan favorite franchise, but. A huge weight's got to be lifted when you're following up on Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. You know, like, I mean, it's like, you'd have to do such a horrible job to be the worst film in that franchise, you know, that, like, surely you're going to seem like a better entry at least there, you know? Yeah. And, Nick, to your point about John Wick and the Continental, I... I really do love the John Wick franchise and was hesitant with any sort of continental announcement because what I hope they don't do is the lame fan service of this is where the coins come from. This is where mm, this comes right. from That's because exactly I, to- I totally agree with you that the tone that the level of detail that they have figured out is perfect. It's yep. enough for you to go, Oh, that's cool. And then move on. I don't really ask a lot of questions and four continues that perfectly. And I'm just so nervous that there's just going to be these weird camera pans over to things. Like, hey, look at that. 
Look at that. Right. Like, <laughs> this is going to be somebody sharpening a pencil. Like, oh, shit, cool. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't need that. It's going to be an exposition dump as to why a single yeah. coin buys a night at the Continental, but also a single drink at the bar right. kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I really hope you, you're able to catch four in a theater, man. It was. Uh, oh, I know. A ma- it was an incredible experience. Uh, I'm so, Bones spoke highly of it on the yeah. 5DR episode I listened to most recently. Yeah, uh, yeah. I really hope I am too. Um, they I'd just closed the, the theater, theater in our city, so uh, oh, oh damn. seriously, even harder. Yeah, like a couple oh, months back. Uh, so we'll see. I mean, the, there's still an indie theater, which is great. Yeah, and it's a yeah, theater right. that I went to the most anyway. But like, I want to mm-hmm. be able to see every now and then a tentpole movie, and I don't want to have to drive 30 minutes to do it. Right on. Yeah. Yeah, but it's hard enough to get to the theater as it is, you know, being a parent to young kids and all that. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. You know, add an hour long round trip commute. It's, you know. Yeah, they make it. it They're making it tough, tougher and tougher. If you go and you dislike it, I'll reimburse your gas money. (laughs) That's awfully nice. I can't imagine what they would need to do. Yeah. You you just lie to me and I'll Venmo you. All right. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, I got weirdly routed. It took like four hours each way. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, what do you think? Should we get into it? Let's do it. Okay. All right. So, you know, if you've listened to this podcast before, you know the formula that we have, right? We, uh, Our guest brings us a topic in horror, and we draft it like we were like the NFL, about like drafting uh, members onto our team. You know, appropriate, because it's April and it's uh, about to be the NFL draft, right? Well, guess what? Take that formula, throw it out the goddamn window. This is a whole new experimental type of episode, okay? Bones pitched us this idea. He said, hey, you know, what about, uh, you know, a draft is like a, you know, a sports draft, but it's also a, like a version of a story you've written. And I was like, damn, you're that's 100% right. Yeah, it is. He's like, and what if someone had like a, a horror story, you know, a, a draft of a horror story and they brought it to you guys and, and they read you their kind of version and you guys kind of, you know, punched it up a little bit, you know, gave them a little information about like ways they could improve it, you know, throw out ideas at them, that kind of thing. And I said, God damn, that's a whole new kind of horror draft. I love it. Let's do this. Let's get you on the pod and we'll have a, a whole different version of this where we'll do this is the very same thing and and bones has a horror story in a draft form a treatment so to speak and he's gonna read it to us and we're gonna help him punch it up you know give him some ideas see what he's thinking see what we can do to help improve it i mean bones anything you want to tell us before we get into your story here anything else you want to add no i think you hit it perfectly i mean um you guys get a lot of content creators, writers, people in the industry. Um, you guys have a lot of friends that that deal with this. One of my favorite things to do is is have like a writer's room situation to sort of, mm. I like to hear what people are thinking or have a story. Um, when somebody sends me stuff, the freedom of just looking at it and sort of trying to tweak it without all that pressure is so much fun. Mm. Um, but also I think as like 
not, I would say as an aspiring writer, I think I've lost that dream a long time ago. I have a lot of stuff just sitting around in a drawer and a lot mm-hmm. of writers will tell you like a lot of the first things you write, that's what you should do. You should put them away. Those are experiments and you'll come back with a different set of eyes. Um, so you both have an immense cattle, like mental catalog of, of horror references and, uh, right. I mean, like, Oh, I would say my memory's horrible. So I'm just like, eh, it's, it's, it's fallen out the window, (laughs) but it's very kind of you to say. Right. So I think you two are, are prime people to sort of pitch something to and just open myself up and say, please chew this apart. And my, my thought is, well, maybe at the end of this, maybe we'll have broken and filled in enough of the gaps. Maybe I'll start looking at this again. And if not, it's a test run. And maybe you'll get an actual writer in here that would want to play, you know? Because a part of it, too, is I know you guys have to do a ton of prep work for your episodes. Yeah. Right? When you're when you're drafting, uh, it could be, I don't know. I, don't want, I know something that's coming up, and I didn't want to be the guy to drop okay like if you're picking uh best kills or something right like Mm -hmm. you have so much that you need to catch up on and Mm. i was thinking like what's something that you guys could do where somebody just drops in you press record you record it in an hour and a half and and you sort of move on you know so Mm -hmm. i i want to see my horror drafts feed as full as possible so this was my contribution to to get that so kind hopefully hopefully it this is something that you can you know, choose to continue, but yeah, no, this, like Nick said, this is so kind, uh, doubly kind. Cause not only is it filling up people's horror dress feed, because you know, we're, we're not as consistent as I think we'd both like to be, but you know, we lead busy lives and we have families and jobs yeah. and things. It's, it's difficult and we're very guest reliant and things like that. So there's a lot of, and like you mentioned planning and prep, but yeah, it's doubly kind. Cause you came to us and we're like, here's an episode. We don't have to do any of it. And I swear to God bones. I was, that's one of the reasons I jumped so hard on board. I said, "Yes, sir." Let the, the, the uh, I don't have to do anything. Great. Don't even tell me anything about the story before it. I, I want to come in completely cold and just have to set up my mic and go. So yeah, I, that's that's uh, awesome. It's it's a very weird feeling. And as you <laughs> not, pointed not out, anything. I mean, you're gonna pitch us a story, right? Yeah. Um, but you know, if it's garbage, I'm just kidding. Uh, but, you know, You've still also pitched us a brand new offshoot of horror draft, so we have a new series to, to keep going. And no, I'm kidding. I I can't. I'm sure it's going to be great. We have no Brantley and I have no, at least to my knowledge, no uh, idea what the story is about. We don't know anything. Uh, but I don't even know. I didn't know it was something that was maybe written a long time ago, or if you just wrote yeah. it yesterday. Like I'm psyched. I can't wait to hear it. And I also appreciate Bones because you were like, you know, you guys have a lot of writers on and people in the industry. I appreciate that instead of just being like, can I have their contact information to talk to them about it? You actually said, let me come to the two guys who aren't in as in the industry and aren't writers and pitch my story to them. That is, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I, I don't know. I. All right. Well, let's kick into it. All right. I will tell yeah, you yeah. Uh, when you guys asked, you know, do you want us to look at it first? Do you want to talk about it first? I thought, let's try without. Let's see if I can pitch it that way. And then maybe in the future, you guys may decide, maybe ask the person for one or two lines so you can kind of mm-hmm. prep. But sure. I'd like to see your fresh take on this. So okay, um, this was, without going too personal, mm-hmm. I had one of those like 
uh, somebody might be pregnant scares sure. uh, about a decade ago, a little bit more than a decade ago. Um, it, it's fine. That relationship is done and over and, and, and life is, and we've, we've moved on. Right. Um, but I think I had a lot of fear with that. I was not ready more than 10 years ago to remotely be close to being a father. And it was also like the peak of me realizing, Oh, I should write more and I should just write stuff down and I should think about this. So I've, I've actually pitched this sort of story a few times to people. Uh, and it's, Super, it's obviously from like the first few sentences, largely the uh, write what you know rule. Sure. So uh, I, I was in EMS for 10 years. So I was like, let me see if I can write something that is that with this. And I was so terrified of this thing. A horror story sort of came through. Mm-hmm. Uh, any of your listeners that remember the 80s draft, I'm I'm more of an action guy. My horror has to have a little bit of action. So take that into consideration with this this isn't a cerebral sort of you know slow burn this is something that i wanted to be out the gate um as far as inspiration i was probably watching children of men once or twice a week uh when this (laughs) when i started writing on this so sort of keep that uh that film's momentum in your mind sure um but i'm ready to start reading this thing if you guys are ready yeah yeah okay And please, like, 5DR rules, jump in at any time. I will tell you I'll get to that or I'll correct something. Uh, This was – I was working with a small little group of creators when I first moved to St. Louis. And we wrote a bunch of shorts and shot some stuff. And we had hinted – we started to talk about, like, could we do a feature? Does anybody have an idea? So what I'm going to read you guys is the five pages that I – typed up and, and threw to them. So this might All not right. be in the proper Hollywood format, but, mm-hmm. um, and there's some definite gaps. When I opened this up this week, I kind of cracked up at my, um, my notes that I threw in there. So okay. can I ask you one thing before you start? Absolutely. Um, just for context or, and maybe this is not, how do you want to shape this? Like, is this something that we should listen to as if it is a pitch for what you hoped would be a feature film? Would it be a short film? Do you just want it to be a written story? Like how, what, what medium would you ultimately like picture this? That's a great question. Great question. Um, yeah. I'm thinking, or should we just not consider that at all yet? Then that's the other option, of course. And just be like, does this story have legs? You know, that kind of right. thing. I think that's solid. Uh, I would say I'm thinking feature, but at mm-hmm. one point I also thought that this could be a graphic novel. Oh, okay. if interesting. That's, if that's helpful. Um, yeah, very. Okay. But I would say lean feature. Okay. I think I even sure. have some notes in here. Um, like I call some shots out maybe. Mm. Um, <clears throat> okay. Awesome. So we've got Mark. He's our hero. He's in his early early 30s. He's a fairly seasoned EMT. Rides a uh, um, works an ambulance crew with a fire department. Relatively rural town. We meet Mark at his worst and his last emergency call of his career. So Mark and his partner Greg they arrive on the scene of a, a drug overdose. While Greg is reviving the patient. Mark discovers that the patient's girlfriend has a bit of a meth problem. 
So they're in this trailer. They're working on this drug overdose. The the girlfriend is screaming, throwing stuff in the end of the trailer. Uh, they finally revive the patient with a, a dose of Narcan, which, if anybody's not familiar, it counteracts opioids. Um, while they're hooking up the IV and doing all this, the patient's girlfriend starts yelling like, he's a damn zombie, let him be, like, don't wake him up, whatever. They wake this guy up, they get him up onto the couch, and this was like my pitch for, like, let's open with a bang. Mm -hmm. This meth head comes into the living room and shoots the patient, just blows the, the head off of our patient with a shotgun. The cop that's also there working the scene ends up shooting that girl, so that drops. Hmm. Mark's covered in blood. He, he says, I'm, I'm, I quit. And then we cut into our credit. Hmm. Now, one thing I love and I miss about like 80s movies, think like Pink Panther. I couldn't think of another one was like a bright title sequence that's sort of animated. Hmm. You know, like 80s comedies would do that a lot. Like this girl moves to New York and here's martini glasses that are drawn. And that I wanted something quick and flashy that sort of shows animated cards of what is coming not a mission impossible sort of give it all away but little hints to that mm. uh and i was listening a lot to this band does it offend you yeah i don't know if you guys are familiar with that but uh i even had a song picked out attack of the 60 foot lesbian octopus if anybody wants to seek that out on spotify for reference so okay we come back mark's sitting in the locker room at an ambulance base he holds a pregnancy test in his hand. He's still covered in blood. His partner's getting cleaned up. His partner says, uh, you're not quitting. That was, that was fucking crazy, but it's fine. Mark says that, uh, well, I'm going to be a father now, and, and I don't want to be in this shit anymore. Hmm. Greg asks if Mark's girlfriend, Ashley, has talked to him about the pregnancy, and Mark says that he, she hasn't. He reveals that he found the test in the trash, and assumes that Ashley doesn't know how to tell him yet. Mark gets home to his apartment. He notices uh, a bunch of boxes and clothes around the apartment. He sort of ignores that. He goes to his freezer. He opens it up, and it's just chock full of frozen pizzas. Like, this is his go-to meal. He pulls one out. He starts the stove. He hears a toilet flush. Ashley comes out. He asks if she's feeling okay. She says that she's pretty gassy. Um, she asks, like, why are you home early? And she asks about his uniform being bloody. He's like, we'll talk later. And he points to, the like, the moving, like, what's going on? At this time, an older couple walks into the apartment, like, pretty carefree. Ashley refers to them as Bob and Janice. The man is much older, but he's, like, lean and strong. And the woman is broader than the man. It turns out that they are helping Ashley move out. Ashley says, uh, I didn't want you to find out like this, but I'm leaving. Mark pulls out the pregnancy test and she starts crying. She babbles on. She tells our hero that uh, she is actually carrying the surrogate child for this couple. And that she was going to stay with them until she could get her, or she was going to stay with Mark until she could get her own place. But, um, she couldn't find it, so now she's just moving in with this couple. Oh. Mark asks them to leave, kind of you know aggressively. 
Ashley says, it's fine. Go ahead. I will catch up with you two later. Ashley goes on about uh, not feeling like she's connected with him anymore. They moved here for this job. And he starts going on like, hey, I tried to quit. Um, he's doing everything he can to try to change her mind. But obviously, she already is pregnant with this surrogate child. Ashley's like, I got to go to the bathroom again. She goes to the bathroom. Mark continues making his pizza. Uh, I wrote, I wanted to be funny at the time, so I wrote that he burns his mouth on it. So through the rest of this, imagine him like dealing with the roof of his mouth, sort of burnt. <laughs> Ashley comes out of the bathroom again, and her stomach is now considerably larger. She wasn't showing before, but now it's not like watermelon, you know, 36 weeks, but larger. Um, he kind of points it out to her. She, she doesn't even realize what's going on, and she just sort of collapses. She starts writhing in pain. Mark runs to her aid. Obviously, the stomach is the source of the pain. He opens the stomach, or he opens up her shirt. He looks, and there's a lump starting to m- move below her skin. So he calls his partner Greg. He says, "Get your truck over here right now." Cut to inside the ambulance. Mark and Greg. They're trying to help Ashley. She's screaming in pain. Greg's got a new partner driving the ambulance. Mark just wants to make sure she's safe. Greg is, um, he's filled in on the whole surrogacy surrogacy thing. And Mark agrees to call Bob and Janice. Uh, Like Ashley's just, you know, concerned about the baby. So she's like, please call Bob Janice, please, please, please. He says, yes, I will. While he's on the phone with them, Ashley passes out. Now the lump in the bot and her uh, belly starts moving even more. Kind of goes quiet, not quite alien style, but think worm-like with sort of a scaly, razor-sharp spine. So about twelve to twenty inches. This gross little worm thing pops out of her belly button, sort of rides around her 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 body. Greg sort of freaks out. The thing kind of launches at Greg, wraps around Greg's wrist, uses that spine to sort of do like a reverse chainsaw, and it just cleanly cuts Greg's hand off. He starts freaking out. Mark stands up. He's trying to like step on this thing, but it's crawling around. Greg's hand is now underneath the gurney. This worm crawls into the hand and starts to sort of meld with it. So now it has control of this hand, so it can move even better. Um, he's still trying to keep the thing off of Ashley. As he's like kind of stepping around a little bit more, he slips on some blood. He falls, and he, he's knocked out. We wake up. He's in a hospital bed, or he wakes up. Bob and Janice are standing over him. They ask, where is it, Mark? What are you talking about? Where is Ashley? Ask him about the other one. Where is the other one? Mark says, other what? He doesn't know, dear. We just need to find the other one. Janice then injects some sort of drug into Mark's IV and leaves. Mark wakes up later. Greg's new partner, the driver that we saw earlier, he's standing in his room. Mark asks, how how is Ashley? And he frankly tells him she's dead. He asks about Greg, says he's not doing too good. They start talking about that thing that popped out of Ashley. What the fuck was that? I don't know. Some cops were asking me about it, but I don't know what it was. 
any questions at this point? Is this is this format going okay? This format's great. I think okay. both Nick and I don't want to like interrupt you and mess up your flow or anything. Okay. But since you asked for questions, I yeah. do have one. Okay. Having a background in EMT and working a lot in hospitals. Yeah. How accurate is it that Bob and Janice, not being related to Mark, could be in his a room visiting him um, as he's waking up out of his uh, not, you know, being knocked out. It wouldn't be easy, but in my mind, if most people are freaking out about this thing that cut this guy's hand off, like I'm treating mm-hmm. it sort of uh they snuck in there real quick. Um, okay. Like he's not in I the, yeah, yeah. he's not in the ER proper. He's knocked out in like a separate wing or, or room. You I know? see. Yeah, you know, um, people are busy doing taking care of other tasks, and they kind of just snuck in. Okay. Yeah. Um, and this I is also, all. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go, no, no go ahead. I, good. No, I, if you were still answering that question, this is totally different. Oh, uh, I think that this is something that could also be answered later. Oh, okay. We, okay. So, gotcha. Go ahead, Nick. You like I was to? just uh, clarifying, and and this is all thus far. Well, at least prior to him waking up in the hospital one day right it's like the day the same day that we start out with he gets home that night that's when he finds out and then there this all happens on the way in the ambulance as it's in motion and then he wakes up again so presumably it's only been like a day so far yeah yeah this is uh four hours since he watched that person's head explode if that you know Mm, like right i in my mind i want this to be uh and, and we'll get there sort of the the course of just a few days max. Okay. That's how cool. fast this is going to move. And so one other question structure yeah. wise, if we're envisioning like a three act structure, essentially this ambulance ride, the creature coming out of her stomach, that's kind of like our major inciting incident essentially here for uh, act one. Or do you think maybe, is that coming up? Like, is maybe you're going to get to it? I don't know. I don't know if you had thought it out in like a, you know, act structure sort of way. Um, no, with this, I was sort of because his motivation is already dead by this point. So, like, mm. like you were saying, like we're getting through Act One pretty quick, and yeah, okay. so and Act Two starts pretty much now in my mind like that we're yeah most of this movie i would want to be an act two okay yeah this is that's kind of how i was just envisioning it like his whole world has now changed because of this event and it's putting him down this new path we're moving into act two essentially and i just wanted to make sure i'm roughly keeping track with essentially how you've structured it yeah the the idea was like instead of showing him getting up, finding the pregnancy test, going to work, doing all of that, like if you try to open with something that's super, like uh, jumpy in a way to sort of establish, like this is the violence you're going to see in the movie, mm-hmm. and then s- quickly get to, uh, hey, that was fucked up, and I got to quit because of this. Like all of that happened before, and not i didn't want to fill it with too much like uh too much emotional stuff up top as far as yeah. like his breakup with her i wanted the shock to sort of come with like 
you as a viewer, you see the boxes, you know, like, oh, this chick's moving out. Like, that's where this, like, mm. we've seen that so many times. I just wanted to get to Bob and Janice into the story as fast as possible. No, I, and, I like yeah. that. I think that's a great way to open it. I always think you should start with a bang, especially if you're doing a genre film, whether it's horror, action, or a combination of the two. Like, this seems to kind of fit the bill of. Right. Um, so I'm on board with that. I just... I'm thinking. I was thinking more structure-wise and trying to make sure that I'm essentially on the same page as you, and it seems like I am. Okay. Yeah. So now we get more in like a, a bullet point sort of section. Okay. So I've got it where um, Mark gets interviewed by some cops. He tells them he he tells them what he knows. Um, he he mentions that. Uh, there's Bob and Janice. She was going to be a, a surrogate, and this thing popped out. Cops don't really sort of trust him. Um, and he even mentions, like you're saying, Brantley, like, they were here earlier. Like, check the sign-in records, something. Like, mm-hmm. uh, okay, yeah, we'll, we'll look into that. Uh, his main concern is just Ashley and Craig. During this interview with the cops, we start hearing loud screams. Greg is now transformed into some weird beast-like creature and is just roaming the halls of the hospital. So he maintains a lot of his human form, but there's a large tentacle-like thing coming out of the arm that had his hand cut off. Mm. Um, Greg is still sort of, like, cognitive of it. He's screaming and trying to, like, you know, fight this thing off, but it's throwing, uh, you know, nurses and stuff around. So Mark's... You know, he just sort of hit his head, but he gets up and he's kind of helping out. And this is where you guys can kind of help me fill this in. So okay. d- there's uh, there's there's panic and death in the halls of the hospital. The cops try to shoot it, but it's pretty unsuccessful. Uh, this thing is like choking out and slamming people with this uh, tentacle. Mark yells at the, the cop, like, shoot Greg, like try to kill Greg. They shoot him. He falls down, but this thing sort of is still, you know, of its own volition, flipping around. Um, it gets its arm around Mark during a fight. Uh, I have Mark grabbing a fire extinguisher off the wall, kind of hitting it with that, like trying to get it loose. Um, a little bit of the fire extinguisher actually disperses, and this is enough for the tentacle to kind of like loosen up. So he goes out, uh, the cop comes over, shoots the thing a few more times, finally kind of dies down. Uh, I want Mark to go out and check the ambulance, like what is going on with this thing? Because the cop even mentions like, it's out there, we didn't find anything in it. Um, out in the ambulance, he is looking around and he thinks to himself like, Maybe that thing will react to the fire extinguisher. So he goes back, grabs it, comes back to the ambulance, kind of shoots a few sprays into the back of the ambulance, and this freaks the thing out, and it takes off. So it's just the hand with that tentacle thing coming out of it. Sort of takes off through the uh, hospital parking lot, like maybe up through the parking structure. Uh, Mark gives chase. I wrote in here, this is the time before we had drones is prevalent so my note is think nfl cameras oh like yeah like a sky cam 
like yeah. what I, I sort of wanted to go to. So like Resident Evil four, like I wanted an over the cam like over the shoulder sort of experience as he's trying to sort of chase this thing that's that's taken off. Gotcha. Can I can I take like pause right here? Absolutely. And ask another question. Okay. So it seems to me, Greg having been turned into this monster that was killing a bunch of people, yeah, was a far greater threat in that moment. And you say like he he sprays him with the, um, I know that they shoot Greg, but the the tentacle is still working. So Greg's body is dead, but the tentacle inside is still alive. When he sprays it with his fire extinguisher and it loosens it and he gets away, it seems like he's running away from a greater threat to search for this other threat, but the one that's like in hiding in the truck. So what is going on with the tentacle once he gets loosened up from it? Is it, does it like kind of die away and is no longer a threat to people? And this is why I'm here. This is the input that I would want from you. So I think I left out, I, I, I have it here. He cuts the thing off with an axe first. Like he breaks oh, the fire oh, axe. Okay. He cuts the tentacle. Like so, they've shot Greg at that point. Mm-hmm. He falls. They yeah. cut the tentacle, but it still sort of grabs around him. Gotcha. So my thought was the entity that was born in Ashley. That's the that's its own living creature. But mm-hmm. if it does any sort of damage or leaves something in something, it gets infected. And that's what happened to Greg. Like he just had a growth that came off of it. Right. I so, see. Uh, okay. I, I mean, I, I, you could easily just do like he cuts the thing off with an axe, has to spray it to get it off of its leg, and then they're able to sort mm. of just chop it up, and now it's sort of without. Like okay. it's it's so dead. then he's he's neutralized the threat. Yeah. And then he's like. I got to get to the bottom of what this fucking thing was that was in the ambulance kind of thing. Yeah. Okay. All right. That makes sense. Okay. Now, and just to be, just so I can clarify the spraying from the fire extinguisher, it's just sort of like, um, the surprise or shock or weird chemical texture of it that allows him to get away. It's not anything within the chemical makeup of the fire extinguishers, flame retardant nature that has a specific effect on this creature. Is it? I remember being torn about doing something with the actual chemical nature of what is like inside the powder or also doing something with uh, like heat. Mm. Like if does it does it cool it in a way where it like blocks its function to be able to seek stuff out? Like does it seek heat? And the. The, the heat seek thing came from like, oh, it's seeking out other bodies, which would be warm. Yeah. Right. So if it's, uh, uh, think Tremors 2, right? Don't they, uh, they wrap the themselves up? Ones. Yeah. And they spray yeah. themselves with fire extinguishers so they can yeah, kind of move so past them. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Of course, those are those ones, the old foam cold ones right now that's all powder right is that pretty much yeah 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 but Uh, yeah that's okay that's interesting okay so i I think uh we're almost halfway through what i have so so this is great because uh what i was hoping is like i i know where i want it to end i'm wondering if maybe we could sort of pitch or you could if you fix something or if 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 I've inspired enough of like, oh, this would be cool to see or whatever. So mm-hmm. you're not hurting mm-hmm. any feelings. Okay. So uh, 
we're giving chase after after this thing. I just have uh, leads to big monster showdown, and we got to figure out what the origin is, right? So yeah. I was thinking that the main structure of this is I would like to see 30, 40 minutes of him just having to chase this like hand monster, right? And because that's the fun stuff. Let me see that, whether that takes him through a city or a town, uh, do sort of action acts within that. And the end okay. of this movie gets him to like, well, fuck this. I'm going after Bob and Janice because they must know what this is. Mm-hmm. I, I don't want, I didn't necessarily want this to be, oh, this is a world ending thing that you've created and there's a team that's assembled to now stop this. I, I wanted it to be a sort of singular person who, despite this thing not being his child, it was born of his lady and there's, some innate responsibility that he has to take care of that thing. That was sort of feeding my drive of like, that's and and that could even be a, a sequence of like, what are you doing? Why are you going after this? It's like, well, it, it's like it was Ashley's. So it's like part of part of me, the. So whenever I was thinking about action and where you end up, that was sort of the, the prep. It's like, well, why wouldn't a SWAT team go after this? Why wouldn't the government be called? But I, I just wanted to take, remove all of that and put it in such a short time frame. And it's mm-hmm. just about the responsibility of a father who's really not the father of this. So that's interesting that that's the point you're coming at it from. Because when you're saying he's chasing after it, I was originally thinking it's a revenge. Like, you killed my girlfriend i'm gonna like take out this creature i i didn't realize the perspective uh of mark was like a sense of responsibility for this creature that's interesting now because the 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 razor sharp worm here that's taken (laughs) over that hand I, you know, it's it, like that description to me is like killing machine. You know, we see it like yeah. cut off Greg's hand and everything. Like it, it seems like, especially if it's attracted to these warm bodies, that there's there's going to be little in the way that Mark's going to be able to be taking care of this creature in any way, shape, or form without himself being like very quickly taken over, I guess. So I'm curious how you are thinking about handling that situation. Yeah. Oh, um, and just to clarify, not take care of like, oh, I got to keep it. Oh, right? sure, and, but and a I know, sense yeah. of responsibility. Like neutralize yeah. Neutralize it, exactly. New- oh, so he is, okay. He, he okay. is so he like, is it's his responsibility it. to be the one to try to help neutralize it. Uh, so I see. he's got to end that. And re- the revenge aspect is still there because I do want to end with him going after uh, Bob and Janice. Like there, there is that to me, it's not like that's your fake third act. I have Mm -hmm. a a little tag. So this was, this was not something that I was trying to write like, Oh, let's go organically. I was really trying to say, all right, this is how I want to start. And I know where I want to finish. I need to fill in the, the the middle because I had a very specific like this is how I want it to end yeah sort of 
So so basically, the, the big challenge for us is going to be filling out like this second act, basically. You've got the beginning. You've got the end. What takes place in that half in the middle, those 60 pages of the second act, yeah. that get us to <clears throat> Bob and Janice at the end? What are the action set pieces you know, we're going to use? How is he going to be tracking it? How is he going to try to neutralize it? All of that. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Boy. Or so, or blow it well, up from the or blow it up from the inside from that mm-hmm. section, and mm-hmm. and force changes to the beginning or the end. Gotcha. So, I was taking once... notes by the way, so like I, if I'm looking oh, down, oh, okay. I just like because I wanted I do have like as we go, I'm writing down some questions that I'm wondering if you're going to answer. Okay. In the we end, got, uh... but if not, I want to remember them. So. Okay. Well, well let's... and maybe ask them, and then if they're if they're going to be ones that get answered in the end, Bones can just say that'll come back later. We'll we'll touch on it then. But if not, it might spark other ideas. Unless unless you want to kind of go in another direction right now, Bones. Oh uh, no, I was gonna. Uh, we're pretty close to what I have as the end. So if you okay. just want to bookmark it, and then we can jump into. Yeah, I mean, I've asked pretty much my yeah. questions so far. This, these are just more like ideas, I guess, that I had depending on which direction you go in, like thoughts that might apply, but okay. Yeah. Um, let me skip all of these, uh, random notes. Okay. So it, at this point it goes without saying Bob and Janice are responsible for this thing that was in Ashley. Right. Mm. So we, I was thinking, um, the burbs a lot like i wanted i didn't want a classic like uh medical lab pharmaceutical lab that they worked at i wanted a uh, an end of the cul-de-sac sort of house that he ends up with to sort of juxtapose what's going on inside so he he finally shows up after neutralizing this this monster ultimately um he ends up uh Killing Janice, um, blowing up the house. You think that he kills um, Bob. Oh, this was my... The working title of this was The Monster, The Doctor, and Janice. That was what I had it. Um, So the end of this thing, Mark gets home. He just wants another frozen pizza. That's all he wants. He gets home. He starts cooking. He hears a noise coming from the bathroom. He goes to investigate. He opens the door and he sees another one of these worms just flopping around the toilet. He quickly shuts the door. He runs back to the kitchen. He starts looking around for a weapon or something. His door gets kicked in. It's Dr. Bob. He's all charred up. Think like end of sunshine. Like... No way this guy should be alive. He himself has a shotgun. He starts walking towards Mark, and he says, where is the other one, Mark? Mark uh, looks down the hall, kind of eyes. The doctor sees that. He also sort of looks down the hall. But the oven is ready, ding, goes off. And the doctor's attention goes to the oven. This gives Mark enough time to kind of run towards the doctor. They start fighting. They're wrestling around. They work their way down the hallway. Um, Mark 
punches the doctor a little bit. He picks up the shotgun. He blows a hole in the bottom of the bathroom door, grabs the doctor, shoves his head through the door into the bathroom. We hear the thing go inside the doctor's head. Mark grabs the the feet of the doctor, drags him up the hallway into the kitchen. Mark grabs a knife, cuts off the head of the doctor, opens the oven, throws the head inside the oven, shuts the door. He sits down with his back against the oven, the like pooling blood coming out of the the doctor's decapitated body, and he just says, "Seriously, I fucking quit." That was what I got. Please blast this thing. I have so, so okay. <laughs> this is cool. I, I want to just ask. No, no, no. I really no. Go for it, Nick. I have like a lot of thoughts, and I really like it. And I, yeah. I, I think I have some ideas. Um, but first question is, um, especially after that last line, which I think is a great line. But like, what is the overall mood of this movie? Like. Exactly are you playing question. it otherwise okay yeah like is it completely <laughs> for dramatic tone? intention or is it supposed to are there going to be i know there's like moments of comic relief and in, in a few places yeah. like you mentioned but apart from that is this like straight just playing wanted, it straight the whole time i want it a little bit heightened i want him you know i want the i want the weirdness of janice i want the shock of the violence to sort of stand out but i i, I don't want it to be a wacky world Right, right. I mean, there's drama because, yeah. like, he's, like, you know, there's, it's, there's him deciding that his career is, like, he's done with it. And, like, yeah. you know, his his girlfriend dying in a horrible, horrible way. Like, those aren't played for laughs. Like, this is all tense. You know, it's yeah. like a thriller. And when he's chasing after this thing, it's not going to be, you know, slapstick or whatever with the thing destroying, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, this is all the middle act is going to be is going to keep that tension up and you know there might be moments of comic relief but otherwise it's not supposed yeah. to be like a slither or um yeah. trying to think of another example it's, it's not as heightened as like bad taste and over the top and that right sense. it's not I mean, a horror comedy yeah. no like it, it, but it seems like the the moments of comedy are going to be there to help alleviate the tension we're getting from right. the horror and and tense situations that mark finds himself in yeah. yeah, that's okay. what I was asking. Okay. I, that's exactly what I wanted to know. So it's it's not a horror comedy, but it's got, you know, like any horror movie, it's got some moments of relief. Mm-hmm. That's, Slither that's is a, a really good pool, Nick. Like, not quite... It's not trying to be as as funny as Slither is, right. in, in a way. But, um, yeah, um, that's a great question. Because I, I definitely have a... Uh, like you were saying, Brantley, like alleviate that tension so you can sort of keep going. Mm-hmm. But uh, back of the ambulance, this final fight, like I want it to be like this is fucking crazy. Like yeah. at this point, he's been through so much over the course of this day it that it's not like what we saw him want to quit from in the intro. And he is just so nonchalantly killing this guy with his own creation and cutting his head off and throwing it in the oven where he was cooking a pizza. Mm-hmm. Like that to me is. So you want to ramp up to how ridiculous that ending is, but you can have these spikes of 
yeah. of Goofy. So yeah. I, this is more a comment, but I'm going to say I, yeah. I, I like the idea of him in the third act confronting them in a cul-de-sac in their home because it's this place of domesticity which reiterates the theme of like responsibility of being a quasi parent or responsible for this living thing right yeah so i think that that's really great similarly to the finale in his apartment where he's cutting off the head but that includes the quote-unquote bun and he's throwing it in the oven like i feel like there's these these thematic elements to these locations and these like uh, set pieces you've created for the finale that I, I think work really well. So that's more just like a comment of like, I, I kind of like those little uh, touches you've done there. I think that's good to reference though, because that will, that could inform a lot of his early character or what you're building into that. Mm-hmm. So the, you know, the apartment doesn't have to be a shithole, but it could be, it could be more of a bachelor industrial sort of thing. Thing. sure and and ashley's point is like she's gonna go live with bob and janice because they live in this really nice house at the end of this cul-de-sac mm-hmm. and it's and so you so you could sort of just put these visual cues there yeah. to show like that he is uh he's he's not a domesticated father at the start of this oh that's but, good yeah and she's like no but, a baby needs a home that they have a home like, you know this isn't a home you know when she's yeah. referring to his apartment i can see something like like similar to that vibe coming from it now, okay. I have questions about Bob and Janice. Okay. Are they human? Because you're talking about Bob comes back after not being killed in this fire or blowing up their house, <clears throat> excuse me, and is charred up like the end of sunshine and, and, and shouldn't yeah. like shouldn't have survived that, you say. So is Bob in some way a, like a creature of some kind or are they supposed to be human? Because I'm getting the vibe like they're like aliens or something, and that's why they wanted a host in Ashley to, you know, incubate like an egg or something. I I, I I'm I'm not 100 percent clear their full motivation, or is he just a doctor and is fully human? Alien didn't even cross my mind, and okay. now I'm I'm just. It's totally possible. You'd have to. I think in that you'd have to sort of answer like why do they look like us but mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i i had always envisioned it as like try to take the classic elements mad scientist monster whatever mm-hmm. and put mad scientist in the suburbs okay. so maybe in his basement he's been running some tests or he uh you know he's he's some fucked up biological doctor so okay. maybe he has done something to skew his um ability you know maybe um maybe there's references to the like inside of the house that him and janice are much older than they actually appear and they've been affecting and um you know themselves with some sort of drug or experiments to prolong their life until they could uh you know develop this biological weapon Mm -hmm. but i alien i think is kind of interesting not that it's a cop out, but it would sort of help. It doesn't away go. Well, then I can't explain that because that's sort of alien tech or sure. whatever. Yeah, I mean, it kind of it, it gives you a little bit of an out there. I mean, I'm not pushing yeah. either way. It just um, 
I was just trying to kind of see where you were coming from with it because it, it seemed almost inhuman the way he's able to survive that um, explosion and come back to Mark's yeah. apartment. So I'm just like, am I reading this right or am I not? And if they are human and he is a mad scientist, I mean, they're just kind of sociop- sociopathic if they're like willing to sacrifice like a person like Ashley to yeah. put this like creature inside them. And, and so if they are human, I guess my question is, why do they put the creature inside her? What 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 is the need for a human host? I guess, and you know, maybe that's not going to be explained in the movie. But I kind of want to. I'm kind of curious what your philosophy or thought process is in that regard. The thing that I remember sort of brainstorming was: did did Bob and Janice have a tough time uh, conceiving their own child? Mm-hmm. Did they eventually conceive one and they lost it? Was it deformed in some way? Um, was he trying to do something to make it so Janice could 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 uh, be a mother or in, in, increase his virility or something? And along the way, uh, as he started to develop new stuff, he realized, like, I... I was I was trying to create a kid and what I ended up making was like even better and he just mm. sort of developed a, a a perfect being sort of in a way like I just wanted I just wanted a child and at a certain point I realized I wouldn't get a child I would get something better hmm. and like you know cuz maybe like uh the shame of not being able to to have that or take that blame and Janice just sort of goes along with it because she just wants to raise something but I couldn't ever break that and I never felt like f- that was fair for me to sort of sort of try to dissect not being a father and not having to go through what would be like a tough sort of desire you know sure, sure. I've certainly known people in my life that have like wanted to be parents and have struggled with that and while I was fine cutting somebody's head off and throwing it in a an oven yeah i i couldn't really get there so it was uh yeah and i'm not saying like all of these have to be answered i guess yeah i guess i'm just trying to get a sense for like if they if they have this thing like you're saying he's found something better does that already exist in their world in their lab like but there's a need for some reason for it to be put into a human being to incubate or something like i guess i'm wondering like what's the impetus for them to take on someone like ashley to to put the creature inside her if if they know they have like this this creature that they've created yeah i had thought about uh, for sure ashley is not their first attempt mm. there she's not the first one that they've had and along with that and their reasoning of like where's the other one where is this one um Maybe all of this is just accidents. Maybe it's just gotten worse and worse and worse, and they've leaned into it, and this is this could just be the worst version of whatever they were trying to make. It started out as just trying to be a true surrogate child, and they've gone through a dozen surrogates. Hmm. Um, you know, so this lab is, you know, f- full of tanks and possibly other mothers' bodies and... You know, you've got yeah. the, um, what do you, what are they, 
the stirrups and things like that that they've obviously tried to test this before and they could care less that this thing is like a, a killing worm maybe they were doing tests on uh, uh worms can just split in half and make another one and reproduce so he was messing around with worms and messed with human dna and what do you know you get this thing um mm. that's that was another angle that I was trying to go. So it wasn't like he was super mad scientist. I'm trying to develop a perfect weapon. It was, I'm just messing around and playing God. Mm -hmm. And every once in a while, one of these things uh, kills some people. Yeah. I, I like the idea of the reveal that Ashley's not the first one. Like, and that when Mark's there in the third act, he sees evidence of like other women that they've preyed upon essentially for this i think that's yeah. right i think that would be a really cool reveal i think you could do that in really creepy disturbing ways um okay interesting nick i know you said you had a bunch of questions i want to hear what what you're uh what you i do there. um yeah. and i don't want to like hijack the mic for a while but i oh. I, I almost feel like the best like if, if you were coming to me to workshop this um I feel like the way, or if I, you know, if the roles were reversed, I think the most helpful thing in my mind would be to almost stream of consciousness. I can ask you some questions and kind of give you my reactions all at once, but like the broader things, and then you work okay. your way into those more specific beats and notes, because I think a lot of those are, are going to be dictated by these sort of broader thoughts. So mm. um, I, I might just like rattle off a few things questions thoughts like stuff like that um and like brantley said like you know they're not necessarily even there to be answered they're just like food for thought here as we kind of workshop this um okay so if that if that works because so, i have like a bunch of thoughts and i don't know how many of them you know need an answer i don't know how many of them affect the other so i'll just kind of like go through real quick um so first of all i really like I had a lot of fun with this. It sounds like it could be really, really fun. And, and I I think it could be handled in a bunch of different ways, which is why I was asking in terms of the mood, um, the overall, you know, whether it's a horror comedy or sorry. But um, so I really like it. I think it's got a ton of potential. I, I really like, I think you have a super strong opening and a super strong closing. Like, I love those. And I think, you know, what you have in the middle is already good and it just requires some fleshing out but so these are, these are just general thoughts um and things that i was thinking as we were kind of talking through it and the first one was um you know i love the cold open in the middle of like they're they're in the ambulance or whatever they're on their way to the scene we just cut right into that um and as you were kind of like reading later you mentioned like you purposely you know, didn't want to show him finding the pregnancy test and like walking to work. And obviously I a hundred percent agree. You shouldn't like, we don't need to see that. Like that doesn't need to be spoon fed to us. Like we see him sitting with a pregnancy test. Like we figure that all out as the audience. Right. So that's great. Like, like skip all that. Let's jump right into the middle of it. I love that. My first question is, is there a way that I like that we're cutting right into this really dramatic scene um and that you know one of the first things he says is that's it i quit um is there a way like maybe on the ambulance ride there or whatever like do, how long has he been at this job because it seems like that's a dramatic decision like he's you know changing 
something that he's presumably been at for a long time? Like, can we, is that something that can be played up? Like, does he, do they talk about it? Um, especially because at the end of the movie, you come back to that line, like, that's it, I quit. I think, you know, like, this isn't, establishing that this isn't his first job, like, maybe he's been at this, they've been partners for a while, just so there's a lot of weight to him saying that. Bones, isn't there, um, and you would know far more than I, being in the field. Yeah. Is it, like, isn't it, like, EMT, and then you can, like, become a paramedic, or paramedic can become an EMT, and one gets paid a lot more than the other? Oh, and, yeah. And, like, and like, I don't know, I don't remember which one it is, but maybe he's, like, the lower-rung one, and he's talking to his partner, Greg, and, or, and Greg's maybe just like, oh, so, like, you know, you're going to be going in to do bump-up to paramedic or you know whatever vice versa or something like there's an opening yeah. kind of thing you know and he's almost at like a crossroad of like do i really want to continue this for the rest of my life kind of thing and he's like i don't know like that sort of vibe maybe that's just yeah. an on the spot pitch that i thought of it might be yeah like the idea that maybe he's like you know it's not a spur of the moment thing like he has one bad job where someone's head blows off and he mm-hmm. like rethinks his entire thing but this is something that he's been considering for a while like is this really what yeah. I want to be doing it's been tough it really weighs on me um, yeah. and like mm-hmm. this is the straw that breaks the camel's back Yeah, like, it just happens it. to be a really violent straw exactly like we get we get the sense in this drive over that he's having lingering doubts basically that this is his right. career forever okay and Nick as you were as you were talking about it, I'm thinking of interactions that I had with like law enforcement on the scene of stuff, right? Like uh, the opioid epidemic has just like exponentially gotten worse and worse, you know? Mm-hmm. So it could be as simple as them pulling up to the house. Like that's where we start and he's walking up and he's, the law enforcement guy is just outside. Like he's waiting for them. And he is the first to arrive and he comes out and he even says like, yeah, you know what it is, blah, blah, blah. And it could just be something of like, you know, this is the worst it's been in 10 years. Like, you know, right. just to kind of hint that he's been doing this. And, uh, Brantley for sure. Like there is that level. So like the trend now is most fire departments do, they run an ambulance service mm-hmm. because, uh, we've done an actually pretty good job in this country at fire prevention. Mm-hmm. So to keep fire like stations afloat, a, a lot of them become ambulance districts, mm-hmm. and they run that. And mm-hmm. oftentimes you will have, for sure, a paramedic, the difference being usually in most states they can intubate and they can give drugs. Gotcha. And, and the EMTB will be like BLS, basic life support. They're usually the driver. In some states they can... They can intubate. They can do a few things. Intubate being uh, put tubes yeah. to yeah, breathe, down right? There. Right. Um, so I, I had thought about him being that lower level, mm-hmm. and that's that's an interesting thing. Of like, you've been doing this for ten years, man. You could be sitting in my seat making half or twice as much. Yeah. You know, or uh, it could be Greg as he's pushing the Narcan, saying like, "This is what twice the pay." has me do and it's just a simple like he's pushing the plunger in yeah so i think that's an excellent point to try to build that out because if you don't know that he's been doing it forever if he just started a week ago who cares if he quit but Mm -hmm. if it's just 
you kind of, it's an excellent point. Like you have to sort of build that this has been weighing on him. Well, I also think that it opens. Oh, sorry, Brantley. No, no, no. Go, go, I was going to say, or, you know, even some of the gallows humor that people in the medical field have, right? Like they're going there and maybe they're like trying to place a bet with each other about what drug it is, you know, cause I'm sure they heard that's like probably an overdose of some kind, yeah. like over the radio. And it's like, Oh, you know, 10 to one, it's opioids kind of thing. And, Oh fuck, seriously, like another, I can't believe this shit kind of vibe to it too. You know, uh, 100%. The, some of the funniest jokes I've ever heard in my life come at the expense of like, you know, people in terrible positions because the people that are there to help them, have to have some sort of vent mm-hmm. yeah. you know and yep. it it's definitely informed my my humor and it's also like it it teaches you to know like when when to be sensitive and when to turn it off mm-hmm. for your own sort of sanity so are you guys having a good time i am like I am. sweating i am like <laughs> I, i'm yeah. having a, i'm having a blast but i'm like oh this is like quick fire this is fun as hell so yeah I'm no this is sure. great okay i, mean, I it's think always, there's it's always tough to share your work man but i mean this yeah. is going awesome dude and this i love the story and and i'm loving to kind of get to dig into it with you okay cool yeah, yeah. dude i yeah and i, I want to reiterate like i really loved it and that's why like all of my questions are just like don't necessarily need to be answered but they're okay. just thoughts and mm-hmm. um i think because i was like excited about the story like these things come to mind and i'm like that beginning element i'm like already like you know, I'm on board with this character, and I think this offers some weight. And I also think that it gives you a lot of opportunities for, like, some dynamic, like, and maybe this is just contextually you offered some history about, like, what kind of gave you the idea for the movie and this one event that kind of spurred you into thinking about, you know, being a father or whatever. Um, right. And, you know, maybe that's not supposed to kind of come through on screen, and that was just history that you were giving us for context. But I like the idea that, you know, um, again, we, we we start, we don't see him with the pregnancy test at first. We don't see him coming to work that day. Like, none of, we kind of glean little bits and pieces up until the point where he's like, that's it, I quit. And then we're cutting back, um, and he's sitting there holding the test, you know, and then we kind of piece in, okay, all right, so he just found this out, and he kind of tells Greg a little bit of stuff. And then, I, you know, in my mind, if he's kind of made this decision to quit, maybe part of that now is in context of the fact that, oh, shit, like, I think I'm going to be a father. Um, I'm busy doing this work, and it's, like, saving people's lives, but it's, like, oh, it's horrible, awful. Like, I'm seeing people, like, die. Like, this isn't, you know, maybe I should be doing something else for whatever reason. And so we piece that together after the fact that he's maybe been having these thoughts and that also leads to his decision to to kind of be like, well, yeah, I'm going to be a father. This isn't for me anymore. And like almost as if he's like not only just come to accept the fact that, holy shit, like maybe I'm going to be a dad, but like this could be really great. And then when he gets home and she's leaving, it's like twice as devastating because he's just kind of like accepted this fact and like, you know, and then, oh shit, not only is she like pregnant, but she's leaving. Oh, and it's not his. Um, and yeah. it's like, everything is pulled. And then that brought up the question, like, who... We find out whose it is, obviously. And but, and you guys asked, like, why... What is their motivation, Bob and Janice, for, for you know, for doing this? But I want to know, what's Ashley's motivation? Like, 
this is a huge decision. They presumably moved there, you know, like, how did she meet these people? Um, why did she agree to do this? Um, what problems was she having with Mark that, like, led her to do this behind his back? Like, those are questions I had, and I don't know that there needs to be an answer necessarily, but I think naturally as an audience member, those are some big questions that I would want to know Um you know, or at least that I would be thinking about whether there was an explicit answer or not. Okay, I think I can build on that. What if when we, we, I like uh, visual mirroring, mirroring might not be the reference, but like, um, what if as they're walking up into this trailer, they're communicating about like 10 years, man, this sucks. Greg's like, uh, hey, man, all you got to do is drive, blah, blah, blah. They go into this trailer. What if there is a kid in a playpen that mm. is just screaming like the whole time all of this is going on and he clocks that mm. and he looks around this trailer and he's like, what a terrible existence and what an even worse existence for this child. And like that's just what we see and we carry that into his decision to get out of this. That's perfect. That's right there. That's perfect. Because yeah. like I mean, seeing I a baby in an yeah. awful situation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that uh, would add not to the to tension, parents. you know, because the meth head screaming over there. Then you're cutting you yeah. the baby screaming. It's just chaos raining all around. Yeah. And so both I, of its parents die. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, I think that's a that's, great idea. I, 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 you know, how is that tying into Ashley's, I guess, motivation? Because that's still, I think, reinforcing yeah. Mark's, you know. Oh yeah, I was gonna get. Yeah, I yeah, got that. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I'm thinking. Sorry. Um, no, uh, Brantley, you mentioned earlier like the pay difference. Like, mm-hmm. there's a substantial pay difference between a, an EMTB and a, and a and a licensed paramedic. Yeah, but even paramedics aren't making a ton, mm-hmm. and maybe that's not her complete motivation. But in that discussion in the apartment, mm. that could be something that she brings up. Yeah, she even brings up like, listen, we're we're both getting older. Like we, this is how we live. I wanted to leave, and this is the best way for me to make a substantial amount of money. And she could even drop like, mm. they're giving me fifteen thousand dollars to do this, and I'm that. gonna stay with them for a while until I get a place. Like, it's a simple like. It's emotionally, <laughs> it's got, yeah. Okay. I mean, nine months, fifteen k, yeah, 50K, okay, you know, something like right. that. You know, right? Because she could freeze her eggs, or so like you know. Donator. That's know, true. She could sell her eggs, I guess, for around that. Doesn't that make it a little bit more depressing, though? If it's like how much, how like check to check have they been living? Yeah. Like he just eats a frozen pizza every day, and fifteen thousand yeah. dollars is like huge motivation. That's true. But I think you're That's absolutely true. correct. Like, and I would hope that Bob and Janice could afford thirty, forty thousand dollars. You know, yeah. and it's and it's a chunk of, and. Maybe it's such a number that even Mark, like, oh shit, like makes a, yeah, uh, yeah. oh damn, I don't know if I can. It's okay, like, uh, yeah, that that that's you know, that's what we both make together in like you know nine months or something between yeah. our two jobs, kind of thing. And then yeah, he could say like, well, hell, that would that would be great. You could stay here. I could get a new job, and that would be a good nest egg for us. You know, he tries to use like not insert himself in on that cash but like hey i could maybe get a better job if we had forty thousand dollars you know Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. as a as a last ditch effort yeah 
in her mind, is she going to live with them and then returning to Mark afterwards? Like, are they, or is she, is this not just an excuse to move out? This is an excuse to, like, leave him. That was, I wasn't sure about that. Yeah, it's, it's, I, I wanted it where she's been looking for a place for a while. I've been wanting to leave for a while. Hmm. It's been tough, but they've offered to let me just stay with them for the rest of the pregnancy until I find a new place or something. Okay, so this relationship is over. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah. She's she's for sure leaving, but living with Bob and Janice is simply a segue until she can move somewhere else, you know? Mm -hmm. That's cool. Yeah, okay. That that makes sense. Maybe she can even hint, like, they live in Hamburg Hill or whatever, like some random place, you know, that... And that's how he can tag it later. Like oh, she cool. said, she said whatever, and he's driving around, and maybe he mm-hmm. drives a beat up, busted ambulance down the street, and tries to find something that indicates, like, oh, that's the house, right, mm-hmm. right, you know. Yeah, that's cool. I and I, yeah, that really that that works. I yeah, I really like it. One thing that I thought of, and this is just another like stream of conscious thought this doesn't really tie into any of my questions but when you were talking about the fire extinguisher and the chemical reaction and Brantley you had that question my mind immediately went to the faculty and when you said alien it uh, you know in those caffeine pills essentially Mm -hmm. drying them out oh yeah it's being so reliant so like I almost it went that way not in a bad way like I I love the faculty um so like callbacks to the faculty is always a good thing um but yeah I had the question like is it an alien does it is it reacting for a particular reason to this fire extinguisher thing, does that come into play later? It does, obviously, when he sprays the ambulance to kind of, like, get it out, get it out of hiding. Um, my other thought is, like, during the second act, um, you know, he's chasing this thing. Um, I understand why. Um, is the chase, like, the whole second act? Do we cut back to Bob and Janice at any point? Like, they, they obviously obviously play an important role in the story and you can tell um but is the idea to kind of just like then be away from them for this middle chunk of the movie or do we want to like cut away from the chase what's happening during the chase is this thing like killing people as it you know runs away from mark like those are some other questions i had because i have to imagine bob and janice are looking for it too if bob's showing up in the finale and yeah where's the other one so yeah are they is this kind of like you know they're they're competing. Not maybe they don't even reckon, realize the other one is is doing it. But you know, are they, is it basically like a, a race against the clock for each of them to find the creature first before the other does that kind of thing? Okay, I think I'm connecting some stuff. All right, what about one of the action beats? Because you're 100 percent right, Brantley. They they would be also in tandem trying to track this thing down. And what if the chaos that this thing is creating? along the way is enough to get their attention that they also show up. Mm. So one of the action beats is now like, not only do I have to stop them, but I've, or at the, the monster, I've got to divert them from it. Mm. And maybe in that, like maybe in their arrival, maybe they show up in a specific car. He clocks that. And that car is what identifies the house mm. at the end. Yeah, like he's so a law enforcement buddy or something to run a plate and get the uh, address of the owners or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, 
I do like the idea of him discovering at some point, like, or figuring out for himself, like, this can't possibly be the first time this has happened. You know, mm-hmm. these people, like, and then him going there, not just to kill them, but to, like, destroy their lab, essentially. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, this can't get out. This can't happen again. Or, you know, Ashley, too, like, in that conversation and she's like no they have a house they live on you know carpenter drive or like whatever she said look they have this beautiful two-story green house like maybe like shows a photo on her phone or something like that kind of thing too so he knows Mm -hmm. what it looks like when he gets onto you know whatever road he's you know going on right so he he maybe doesn't know that specific number but he knows what it looks like and he knows where hamburger hill or carpenter drive or whatever we're calling the road they live on and we and we we get the sense just from that conversation that like oh that's a, that's a fancy part of town yeah these are excellent points okay anything else nick no sorry i'm yeah i mean oh, okay. i'm thinking of stuff as we have this conversation this is really fun okay. um so no, but that's all I had kind of like written down. Um, and that might be cleaner too than like the plate, you know, because it might be like, it might just be simpler not to have to call up a law enforcement buddy and like, you know, you know, that's a little, we've seen that happen a few, a bunch, yeah. right? you know, that kind of thing. And I also I like have, that the cops are like, they're there and then they're out of the movie again. Like they show up, or, they're like, yeah, 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 we didn't see any of that stuff. And then like maybe they're preoccupied at the hospital. Like the fact mm-hmm. that, this thing is in the back of the ambulance. There's a second one and Mark starts chasing it. It's like the cops are preoccupied with something else. Like you know, this thing's mm-hmm. leaving a path of destruction through <laughs> the city or whatever. But like Mark's like the cops don't even, they're unaware of that completely because they're at the hospital and this weird thing just happened to Greg and like, yeah, almost no need to bring the cops back into it. And maybe uh, the cop from the beginning is like eventually connects with Mark and they're trying to corner this thing, and he's like, dude, just trust mm-hmm. me. And the reveal of Bob and Janice is them killing the cop. Ooh, good. Like and, they're, and they show up. Yeah, that's, that's nice. Good. Right. Yeah. Is this the cop from that opening scene? Like, yeah. Like, are they friendly yeah. with him? Like, oh, hey, Janice. That's kind of cool, too, yeah. Kinda, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah, and I heard you like, quit. Yeah, another one, you know. Kinda, yeah, or, yeah, I heard yeah. you quit. Like, what are you doing? I heard you quit. You know, so, it's like, shut the fuck up, man. Like, help me do this, you know, like. Because I, I had imagined that a big chunk of it took place on, like, a classic sort of main street, like, mm. that you see in, like, a, a when you, you imagine, like, classic Americana and, like, you pointed out, Brantley, like, that domestication, you know? Yeah. You yeah, get yeah. this, uh, um, and, and up the hill is the hospital, and this thing runs down, and it goes mm-hmm. into that, and you were just sort of in that for 20 minutes. Yeah. You're you're and with people freaking out and he's trying to figure out how to how to corner this thing. And then Bob and Janice show up and that makes it harder and he does something to get them sort of out of there. He neutralizes the monster and the decision should be, All right, I gotta greet the cops or figure out what's going and he just he says, No. Like I'm going after their minivan. Like mm-hmm. the idea of them being in a minivan or something stands out to me. Sure. Yeah. Um, well, again, that sense of domesticity, right? Yeah. Like you've given up and are just like the dad now, if you drive the minivan and don't, don't mm-hmm. drive, you know, whatever, you know, <clears throat> and there's but, a fa- facade that Bob and Janice have. Yeah. 
like yeah, he wears yeah. a polo, you know, and it and allows she's them in to a... blend in, and yeah. you know, he doesn't look like a creepy weird scientist. They have this, you know, sheen of normalcy to them, essentially. But the, I have but a radical just, thought. Oh, sorry. Okay. Go ahead. Jump no, down, no, 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 no. I didn't want to interrupt. I'm just no, like, no, go, go for no, it. No, 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 no. I'm just, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I'm just gonna say, like, the idea of like a, a gorgeous mainstream. I mean, look. The town where I live and where Nick and I both <laughs> went to school has the quintessential classic Main yeah. Street. You know, at one time it had the widest Main Street in America. There's two lanes on each side, deep sidewalks with like a barrier, uh, not a barrier, what's the, the uh, like a walkway and grassy areas in the middle. It was so okay. quintessential that Jumanji came here to film their scenes when the animals are, are rampaging over cars and stuff like that on the Main Street. Because we like the town we live in has this like quintessential Main Street, so that was just making me think like, oh, we have like the nice indie theater right there on Main Street. If he's chasing it through and it's like running through a theater with a hand, like I'm imagining it's still got the hand that it's running around with, right? And then like a yeah. wormy razor tail that's like off of it, kind of. Yeah. Is that the is that the idea, right? Yeah, and I I was always open to the idea of it sort of snowballing and. Mm-hmm connecting to another person so maybe it grabs on the back of somebody and now he's chasing a body like greg was and he's got to neutralize it off of that body that person's dead and now it it moves on yeah it's got to it it grows frenetic chase scene right and he like bursts into like this cafe and he's coming in all hot and wild and crazy and loud and it's like everyone's like quiet and like what the like he makes this huge scene and then it like attaches to somebody and then he has to have like this chaotic like chase and are you envisioning here's my question are you envisioning him killing all these bodies that this attaches to and what's the what's our moral sense here with this because you know you you mentioned greg is still in there and that was kind of scary to me because yeah. it's almost like a locked-in syndrome, and I find that terrifying. Uh, so what is the moral, ethical sense that Mark should be proceeding with? Like, it, it, Does he feel like horror that he has to kill these people? You're, ask, you're asking the, the more important question, but what <laughs> I'm just like getting so excited about is, uh, okay, this hand crawls up somebody's back right sure like, sure uh, okay so you mentioned the theater and then of course i'm thinking oh i want a uh a truck shot behind this theater and all these people in black profile sitting up and freaking out as this yeah, thing sort of crawls exactly across their feet <laughs> right yeah yeah and it it grabs onto an usher and this thing now looks face huggery because mm-hmm. it's a, a hand with a long tail and maybe it makes its way up somebody and it's on the hand of like on top of its this usher's head and they're freaking out and they're like get it off of me and the thing's tail slides into the throat Mm. or cuts into the neck and with that that person's dead and it's now absorbed into this so once he kills that like he cuts that person's head off or that body's head off or stabs it then the monster leaves that Okay. Right, like it's I'm I'm leaving that host. Okay, so so he's coming through. He's killing these hosts, but every time until the final time, 
Yeah. The creature's somehow escaping out of that host and finding another one, basically. Okay. Yeah. And you raise a good question because uh, he could punch somebody who has this thing on him and a bystander might go, what the fuck are you doing? Mm -hmm. And start, and now he's got to like fight them off. Like it's just, you don't know what's going on. Like, like keeping the story so singular to his perspective and just Mm -hmm. peppering in like, this would seem weird. This guy chasing a hand, right? Yeah. And now he's killing people. We, and like you said, like, is he killing that person? No, he's trying to save them. But if that thing maintains on this body, it's going to be worse than if it's just a hand. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm thinking that idea that he punches someone, it's almost like it would be a perfect like a bar scene too. Like where he's basically like the guy thinks he's like trying to pick a fight, like a, like a bar fight with the guy. Doesn't realize that there's this creature or something on the yeah. back of his thick leather jacket or some shit, you know, like the guy's not feeling it or something. And him being involved in a bar fight would force the bartender to call the cops, mm. which would get his friend to show up. Yep. And he's got to say like, I can't even begin to explain to you what, what happened, you know, because yeah. uh, maybe he's unable to stop that biker. That's got the thing on its head and yep. it takes off, but a bunch of people lock him down and they wait for the cop to show up. Mm-hmm. Right. And yeah. there's a lull where he's able to kind of like, this is the first moment in 25 minutes where I've taken a, bre- a breather to realize like I've been chasing a fucking monster. Mm-hmm. Like, and to give you a little bit of a break there and cop takes him out. That's when Janice and Bob show up, kill the cop. Maybe they go after oh, the thing. Oh, there you go. Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. Jeez, I'm just realizing we're talking bar, we're talking theater. I'm like, we're hitting all the gremlin spots, you know, shit. as okay. they work their way down Main Street. <laughs> I want to hear this radical idea. Yeah, same here, same here. Yeah, I, I've been thinking more about it. Um, so, you know, if if what you're aiming for is to like leave a lot of this stuff mysterious, like you know, not answer these questions and. I, you might want to ignore this, but I, and and this will also derail the idea of Ashley hinting at the location of Bob and Janice's house in that initial conversation in the apartment. Um, and maybe this will all be too heavy-handed, but it is interesting, I think, to think about. Um, you've now maybe added this element of uh, the opening scene there being a baby you know, in this trailer and how horrible that is and how it's making him think about being a father and all this stuff. Um, Part of me wonders and bear with me here, but if that opening scene related even more to Mark, because Ashley has struggled with, um, with drugs at some point in her life, or maybe is still struggling with drugs and there's this added wrinkle that he finds a pregnancy test and he's like well fuck like she's in the middle of this thing like what does that mean he goes home she's leaving she doesn't mention anything about the surrogacy he's convinced still that she's leaving for some other reason and that that is his kid they get into the ambulance all this shit happens and before the thing like pops out of her stomach he's thinking like well shit you know 
it's because she's like this that's my child she's been taking drugs and this pregnancy is now being derailed and is in danger because the drugs have fucked up the pregnancy and then this thing comes out as a monster he gets knocked out and the first time you see bob and janice is when he wakes up in the hospital and they're like standing over his bed you have no idea who they are and then during act two you know, it's a big chase, but now we can kind of keep the plot details coming. As he's chasing her, it's revealed a little bit again. Like, as you go along, you fill in those pieces. Like, oh shit, it wasn't my kid. It was Bob and Janice that she was being a surrogate. Who are Bob and Janice? Well, we're going to figure that shit out. Okay. Um, I think I like that a lot, that she has that history. Um, you guys seen Bringing Out the Dead? Oh, a long familiar. time ago. Yeah, yeah, the Martin familiar, Scorsese like, one. Yeah, never yeah. get involved with patients. Never get involved with patients' daughters. Right. W- what if he saved her? That's how they met. Ooh, Ooh there's another wrinkle. I like from it. a drug yeah. overdose. Like that's their yeah. relationship, right? Yeah. Um, well, and that might also the, the, her having been on drugs might add an extra layer to his worry about becoming a parent. Right. Like, what exactly. if the stress of being a mom pushes her back into drugs? Yeah. You know, what if being pregnant does? So he's not just worried about the baby inside her while she's pregnant. He's worried about the next 18 years while she's dealing with a screaming baby and a tantrumy toddler and a pissed off teenager and, you know, all that uh, stuff. And he's going, fuck, is this all going to push her back into drugs? Yeah. And that, yeah. well, I like the idea that maybe, maybe he doesn't know, like, has she been taking drugs again? She's about to leave as he gets home like what is this what's causing this is it just because she's pregnant has she been on drugs again and then all of a sudden the pregnancy is in crisis after she goes to the bathroom again and this shit starts happening and he's like well this is exactly what i was afraid of not only just the next 18 years but like holy shit her drug use is already affecting this pregnancy and my kid um yeah i like that idea of in that locker room with greg he's talking about you know she's an addict dude She'll be an addict forever. Whether she's I, using or not. Whether she's using or not. I I don't know if I could be reviving other addicts for the rest of my life while I have an addict at home that I'm going to be worried about. Right? Like, not yeah. only do I have to worry about her, but now I have to worry about a kid Yeah, yeah. in this. And that adds to his stress of, like, he's not just leaving because of this violent episode. Like, mm, right. this... This compounded to that. Um, Can I tell you a quick version of this that I I had before I I sort of locked this in that that might tie into that Bob and Janice reveal? Oh, yeah, definitely. At one point, I I remember talking to uh, a good friend of mine uh, who also was – a fireman with me for many years like the the my best friend that i went into the fire service with um we call him danny duck he's actually been on our show before yeah uh right. yeah he uh, uh he's done some art he did your artwork um oh, oh, yeah. oh th- right right, right. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah yeah um shout out to him hopefully he's listening yeah. um <laughs> i remember one night it's probably two or three in the morning he's working the fire truck i'm working the ambulance um and at, at this point we were probably still smoking and pitching and I remember telling him this, and I had it where Bob and Janice show up as the surrogates, and the the argument happens. She, Ashley tells them to leave. The incident happens. They call Greg in the ambulance. 
Um, as soon as the thing busts out of, of Ashley, the other driver stops the ambulance. The Greg loses his hand, everything else. They stop. They freak out. Bob and Janice open the doors. And they use like a little container that, and this is where I got the fire extinguisher thing from, that sort of like neutralizes it. And then they like put it in a canister and they leave. Like the reveal was, oh, you thought that they were just cool surrogates, but the reveal of them being like in on this thing happened much faster. Mm, it was interesting, but I couldn't figure out like, well, then why would he be chasing it? Because at that point, he would yeah. just be with her and with Greg. You would need something where, and that's where the other one came, like that she passed the one in the bathroom earlier, and the other one busted out of her. And I ended up like, well, I want him to, I like the reveal of that one having been in the bathroom the whole movie. Yeah. And you I come like back too. to that. So you need to leave that other monster sort of loose for him to sort of consciously engage. If yeah. Bob and Janice already took it, because at that point I had him coming home, realizing the one was there and then chasing that one and then coming back to Bob and Janice. But I like that being the bookend. I liked him coming back home. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, he could, uh, the one that's, you know, when, when Greg is taking over or whatever, like instead of neutralizing it completely, it could escape from the hospital and he could chase that one, I suppose. That's true. Well, I mean, also, if the idea is that we're not introducing Bob and Janice, I mean, how much does that really throw it off? I guess I'm not understanding how that messes up the... Um, the idea because you could still have that canister where they capture it but maybe that just comes into play later instead of uh, at the beginning because if the radical idea is we don't introduce bob and janice yet that had me thinking well maybe when he wakes up in the hospital bob's a scientist he's got a lab coat he dresses up looking like a fucking doctor janice yeah. is in a pair of scrubs they're asking him these questions because he's like you know if if mark's waking up he's like wow what, uh, the thing where, where's the thing kind of thing you know, and they're like, yeah. yes, we know. Yeah. Where, did you see where it went? You know, maybe it's not as obvious that they're like a little uh, nefarious, you know, and, and their and their questions still arrive to the fact of, oh, he doesn't know doctor. And the doctor's like, OK, let's sedate him kind of thing. And she puts the, the, the medicine in his IV or whatever. So, like, we're introduced to them, but we don't recognize yet the importance of the role they're going to play in the story if we're going by this radical idea of them being introduced later i like that idea because you can in addition to finding out a little bit about them in the second act like you know they could be there and mark can still be under the impression that like holy shit his kid just like was a monster like he doesn't know that it was a surrogate and he puts all those pieces together as we do mm -hmm. you know during the course of that second act oh i, I was i'm under the impression that ashley is still telling him she's She's going to be a surrogate for a, a couple named Bob and Janice. She's leaving him, so he knows it's a surrogate. And yeah. he still has to bring her into the ambulance and still sees that, you know, whatever this thing was that was supposed to be a surrogate is obviously this this creature instead. Am I am I misconstruing something? No, oh no, 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 no. I mean that works too. My idea was uh just I was my thought was um if he's worried about her doing drugs then if he thinks that's his kid in there and then something obviously is going so wrong with the pregnancy that like 
you know, she has to be in an ambulance. Like, something is going wrong. She collapses. Mm -hmm. He calls an ambulance. Mm -hmm. You know, he's thinking that whole time, my kid's dying because she did drugs. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But then, obviously, we still have the creature bursting out in the ambulance, and we're following that. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, and everything. Yep, exactly. I see. So, you're talking more to his mindset mindset in those moments i gotcha yeah like she doesn't even need to reveal at that point that yet yeah, that it's a circuit like he's still under the impression that that's my kid uh, he doesn't know who I bob see. and janice yeah. are and so the, the emotional see. component is like yeah that's my kid and she fucking fucked it up she ruined it by I she did see. drugs and it complicated the pregnancy and now we're about to lose this kid and she's leaving me mm. So then, yeah, so then the idea, that then we have to pave the road here of, like, how he finds out it's a surrogate, how he ties it to Bob and Janice, how he finds where they live. Yeah, we, you'd have to, that... We, we'd have to, like, yeah, we'd have to kind of figure all that stuff out. I, I think you can fold these two in. Okay. I think you can... I think Nick's point about his, uh, his stress about it being his can really inform that conversation and that interaction in the apartment. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's I, true. I think it informs his stress level and it actually stresses her out more because she mm. doesn't like the fact that he's bringing up her addiction. Yeah. And he's trying to say like, Hey, if this is mine, whatever, I think you could still say it's not yours. She breaks it to him in a very uncomfortable way. And you mm-hmm. still have Bob and Janice show up at the apartment because they show up nice and sweet. Mm. And you guys got me thinking. I think I'm now leaning more towards the reveal that f- five minutes after they come in seeming really sweet, like a couple just paying $40,000 for a surrogacy, open the door to an ambulance, use some high-tech canister to s- grab this thing, and then maybe it's not blood that he slips on. Maybe Janice pulls out a trank gun. And shoots oh. him. And he's like, what the hell? Pam. And she knocks him out. Then they he still wakes up to them over them or over him at the hospital. And because they want to know where the other one is. They knew that there were two. So they have the one. That was in her stomach. That was in her stomach. They're looking for the other one. Greg, uh, after they shoot Greg and he cuts off that tentacle, that tentacle is still somewhat it's now our problem. Well, hang it's on, not question. the one that they grabbed. Exactly. It's that, that tentacle goes off. Yeah. And mm-hmm. we don't even need him going in and looking for the one in the ambulance. It's once he wakes up and Greg starts screaming, it's on. What yeah. are you going to ask? So I, I'm, I'm with you on that. But my question is, how do we get to the point then where Greg shows up in the ambulance to help Ashley? If Bob and Janice are there, and they use their thing to rip, you know, pull it out of her stomach, and he gets knocked out by a trank. How does he? How is he calling the ambulance to have that scene in the first place? Oh, I, I think you still have uh, her reaction in the apartment. Him yeah. call Greg for the ambulance. Okay, they're still in the ambulance. The thing busts out. Bob so and Bob Jan- and Janice are in the ambulance with them. They've been chasing. They've been following the ambulance following the whole the time. Oh, they, I was envisioning this all like, happening at the apartment. Okay, all right. Yeah, maybe he calls. Maybe when she's like, please call Bob and Janice, he calls and says, hey, we're on the way to the hospital. Yeah. Okay. Maybe okay. right as they get to the hospital, right. Bob and Janice open the door. 
And so and like Greg's got his hand already cut off. He's grabbing his stump and is like, oh, yeah, shit. you know, they open it up to chaos. Okay. Yeah. So that, that explosion is still happened out of the stomach. He's yeah. lost his hand. And Ashley's dead from that. They don't, yep. Bob and Janice don't kill her, but they use their canister to get the creature. And they yeah. can shoot okay. him with a trank dart before they capture that thing. You know, like it might be nice oh, sure. to have him get knocked oh, out yeah, he before he sees it. it captured so that yeah. all he knows is that Greg lost his hand. And when he wakes up, this shit happens. He doesn't know. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe they open the doors and he's like, guys, be careful. Like that there's something in here. Right. And they just mm-hmm. seem like mm-hmm. so totally like, who gives a shit? Janice pulls yeah. out something, shoots him. He falls over. And like, as he's passing out, maybe from his perspective, like his POV, we're seeing Bob pull out something like, right. and, Put it and grab it. So he's like, kind of what the hell? And mm-hmm. he can even reference that when they wake him up. Like what, what did you, like, what was that thing? What did you grab? And all they want to know is like, where is the other one? Where oh, is the so other like, one? I know you're envisioning this as a cut to him waking up too, but yeah. as a way to alleviate the tension, you know, there's this chaotic scene. All of this has just happened. He passes out. And then it's just Bob and Janice very nonchalantly, like, putting that canister under the bottom of a gurney, loading his body onto the gurney, and, like, pushing him into the hospital or whatever to, like, wait till he wakes up to uh, get more information out of him, right? Like, they just suddenly are going about their day, like, you know, posing as a doctor and nurse or something. And maybe... You know, when he wakes up, it can still be Bob and Janice, but they've got the face masks on or something in that, you know, whatever, where he's not sure, you know, he's still <clears throat> buying in that it's an actual doctor and a nurse and not those two people who just opened the door, uh, you know, kind of thing. Okay. I don't know. I mean, that's just a thought in terms of like a little bit of levity. Yeah. Nothing that needs to be used. Oh, I thought you were going to say... Like, they've arrived at the hospital, Bob and Janice open the door, she shoots him, they grab the thing, and before he, like, totally passes out, like, actual, like, ER people come out, and they're, like, screaming, oh, no. like, what the <laughs> fuck is, like, and he's just like I, like, I don't know, and then he's, like, slowly passes out, like, I like the idea, I actually kind of like that, that there's, um, so you kind of show, like, that they made it to the hospital and there's competent people that would carry him to that thing. But mm-hmm. I think you're hundred percent correct. Like if he woke up and they had face masks on and they didn't know who it was. Yeah. And they're just sort of like, maybe they're the ones that wake him up. Yeah. And he's not yeah, recognizing, right. Oh, these yeah. are the two people who just opened the back of that ambulance. My last memory. Yeah. You know, this is a doctor and nurse. They're concerned about, you know, me and what's happening. They're wanting to know what's, you know, where the other one is. And, and they're yeah. using a little bit of coded language because they don't want to be too obvious. And once they realize he doesn't know what they're talking about, you know, they, they put the, you know, meds in his IV and that kind of thing. I okay. kind of like if he, if they wake him up or whatever, whether or not he knows who they are, you know, his first thought, where's Ashley? Where's Greg? How's Greg doing? How's Ashley? Oh, Ashley's dead. How's Greg doing? Uh, he's recovering. He's fine. Like, you know, he's not doing so good, but he's, we you know, he's under sedation or whatever he's here with us they leave the cops come he starts telling the cops what he thinks happened and there's this mm. creature and they're like well you you know you just got knocked out and we didn't see any evidence of that and as that's happening greg bursts into the door and fucking kills the cops and then the cops aren't a problem anymore we don't have to worry about them at all yeah <laughs> and then there's a chase through the hospital there's a whole fucking huge sequence he lays waste to it <laughs> and uh okay so Oh. This just is something I, I a, a, a thought that came to me. 
I mean, I'm ass- we're, we're assuming Bob and Janice know how these creatures reproduce. So Bob and Janice would know that when that creature saws the hand off of Greg, that it's probably left some piece of itself inside of it that's going to reproduce and turn Greg into a tentacle monster. Right. So I guess this kind of leads to like, I don't know if we'd call it a plot hole, but it was like, well, how does Greg get to the point of that? Like, what? why is that Bob and Janice don't do anything to sort of stop him from the creature from reproducing in Greg? Or are they not? Maybe they don't that? know. Maybe, Maybe they, they don't, don't know, know. And they just pull them out of because she has women two in her abusing. Maybe they put two in her because they didn't have any idea it reproduced, and they're like, we need to double our chances of having, you know, whatever. Yeah. Oh, sure, because of all the failed attempts in the past. And maybe and, uh, all of that chaos that happens from the tentacle that comes off of Greg and continues, it piques their interest. What is this? And it's, like, fascinating. So some of their dialogue and interaction can be like, oh, this is most interesting. Like, this is... This is yeah, this no, is that's just even this, imagined. This, we haven't seen this, yeah. Yeah. Because I really like the... I, I like the idea of, like, the second act being largely a chick. You know, this is... But also, I like to glean a little bit of information as we're going. And it's like, if Greg and Janice... Or, sorry, Bob and Janice are kind of figuring it out alongside the audience, it's a perfect opportunity to have that all happen. Yeah. Yeah. I was and just thinking... About sorry, like, I was, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, 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 no. Oh. I was just real quick. When Mark is chasing this hand, is he doing it on foot, or was did he go? Did he get into the driver's seat of the ambulance and is chasing it in the ambulance? I had him starting in the ambulance and okay. then realizing that he just like like maybe there's like a a parking garage outside of the hospital that it goes into, and mm-hmm. it just becomes unwieldy to. You know, like maybe it's too oh, tall. Try to drive it around. <laughs> yeah, like, like yeah, maybe he big, just straight up yeah. smashes into like where it's sure. only eight feet tall. Yeah, you know, and it's just okay. Um, on f- yeah, I w- I was imagining mostly on foot because I like the idea of going through these like weird levels. Sure. You know, okay. from a parking okay. garage down to a main street, maybe into a store. Yeah, but uh, you could ultimately do that with that tentacle thing that grows off of it. And maybe it's yeah. not as uh, the fun of it is, is it grafting onto something, but not being as terrifying as that initial worm. Right. Mm-hmm. But we know that Bob and Janice have that thing at their house. Mm-hmm. So when he goes there, maybe that's something that he has to fight there, you know, or mm. like it's just sitting in that canister and that's what shoot like, this makes him decide like I'm blowing this thing up. Like you guys mm-hmm. just keep there's stirrups everywhere. There's photos of previous surrogates that you've had here. Um, okay. Is there, when you guys think about like this particular type of story, like a, a um, not quite a body horror, but like, uh, you know, these sort of monster um, sort of, body melding stories is there anything that you like or dislike about them like that you would like hey don't do that like you would want to avoid um like the best one is the thing right that's the most pure like execution of that in terms of it's an alien we know just enough to be scared of it and we know enough or not enough about it to be afraid of it even more so it rides a perfect line. So 
Mm. I'll tell you the only a- thing I really don't like, and this applies not just to these types of movies, but you know, ghost movies, haunted house movies, everything, is even if you haven't, you know, fully established that something can't happen, like introducing new rules in the third act, like you know, if this thing reproduces a certain way and it always is just like it finds a host and a tentacle comes out of some area and you know having some like huge super boss one at the end of the movie and like you know bob and janice are like oh yeah well that happens after the 40th host of course like that shit i hate that shit Mm -hmm. i can't stand it like follow the rules that you've established early on it's still scary it's still you know you don't need a big reveal like that you have the reveal of like the other one in the toilet or whatever at the end so yeah i remember you know it seems like we're playing this as like this is a regular guy, a la Die Hard, who's going to get more exhausted as this chase and the exhaustion of killing all these people is building up. So it doesn't need to be in a big boss. It can just be in another regular person, you know, of the final time until he comes back home or whatever, because, you know, he's just getting more tired and exhausted the whole time it's going through anyway. It's just becoming more of a challenge every time. Right. Yeah. You don't need to one up it. It grows to 40 stories tall and like, well, yeah, that's its evolution. Obviously, it happens after t- yeah. you know, 24 yeah. hours. Yeah. Like, no, I don't. Yeah, that's, exactly. That's an excellent point. At one I point, I was brainstorming that the the monster sought out uh, flesh, right? Like it, it would. Yeah, like a warm, a warm it's, organic it's, host. It's seeking yeah. stuff out, so it is chasing people. As much as he's chasing it, it's seeking out new hosts or whatever. Mm. And I had this idea of him like trying to bait the thing with corpses. Where so he went <laughs> to a morgue and got a bunch of bodies, and uh-huh. I had this vision of like oh, it's the end of the. Uh, there's like a church on a hill or something and he fills like an ambulance up with bodies and he's almost dragging limbs and stuff like you would like post wedding (laughs) and he throws a brick on this thing and just drives it towards this building and to get the monster to chase it and Mm -hmm. it blows up like that like i was trying to think of like what is the big explosive ending that you would want to do based on that and what I kept coming back to is like, no, I like the simpler, like you were saying, Brantley, like it, it's, it's not necessarily that the levels got harder. It's that his endurance is getting lower and lower and lower. Yeah. And you, like you were saying, Nick, like you've established the rules pretty early on visually. You don't need to change it. It's terrifying mm-hmm. enough. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, yeah, I like, up people you know, you find ways in. to raise the stakes without You know, if this thing comes up and it's, like, on their back of their head and, and it, like, ideas. burrows into the back of their neck or some shit and then suddenly they're, like, taken over. But you yeah. can still see, like, this glimmer of life in them or even one of them's just, like, fucking kill me. You know, like, that kind of something, you know, like, that, that I think, is going to play up a lot of the, the, the fear and terror of it, too. Yeah. Um, You've got this guy who was, who spent a decade, like, trying to save people. And then mm-hmm. makes a decision that, like, I'm not going to do this anymore. And on the same day is now having to destroy bodies. So, like, mm-hmm. because he thinks he has a responsibility to, to stop this thing that grew out of his girlfriend. Yeah. He's saving people technically in a different way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Any other thoughts, Nick? Uh, no, nothing specific. This is fun. I mean, I don't know Yeah, if this is helpful or if you had, like, an idea and we just 
turned it on its head. I'm sorry. Sent you in a thousand other directions. Yeah. Well, here's my question. Okay, so if it's if it's if it's attracted to heat, is it only heat or or in like organic in organic material? Because like if it's a sunny day outside and you're on this beautiful main street, I mean that thing's gonna be flopping around on the concrete. Yeah. Because that's gonna be like you know, nice and steamy for it. So is it is it is it always also have this biological need to find a um, or, organic host of some kind? Because otherwise, I could see this thing like swimming around in a hot tub and like getting up against like a the metal of a building or something. You know, finding all these heat sources elsewhere, and and maybe that's fine because maybe that could play into some other interesting places that it can go in the, yeah. the chase here in the second act. I don't know how tied to that I am. You know, okay. you may not even need the 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 fire extinguisher does anything to it sort of element because sure. it it could just be that it's not necessarily heat, it is just it can just An sense organic. organic. Yeah, it's yeah. seeking yeah. that out, you know. Does it does it throw itself on a dog at some yeah. point? Um I was thinking that too. Do we do we start going animals and then it's yeah. it's almost harder for him? Maybe like, oh, fuck. Like, you know, I don't want to kill a dog kind of thing. I don't know. Maybe that's a different. Oh, what? That's unnecessary. Yeah, well, this was the next thing I was going to ask is like, could we end on just like a what if, like what crazy sort of stuff could we throw out? Like Mm -hmm. as far as action or horror sequences, if he, if it's thing grafts to a giant St. Bernard on Main Street (laughs) and Mark grabs the leash and is like being drug while this thing is like just hoofing it down the street and its head oh. is sort of like folding and freaking out, you know, like mm-hmm. what? So when you ask about well, that... tone, I'm I'm totally open to like ridiculous, like it's such a ridiculous premise. So you could mm. have him scraping the shit out of his knees, you know, yeah. he's like holding well, on to this leash to stop this thing. And I like that idea, too, because it's getting him away from the population center if that's going to be our final set piece, too, right? Yeah. Like if you're going to have him get to, like, a final thing where he finally neutralizes and kills this creature, it makes sense that it's not, like, right in downtown still on Main Street, right? Like yeah. This, this, this dog pulls him away to wherever we're having this final thing. Mm-hmm. I like that, though. I mean, I, I think that, like... It's good to have different organic hosts, and it's not always human. And something like a big giant St. Bernard kind of plays into that, and that sort of idea of being pulled by it, getting him away from that, can kind of really all work together and tie together there to, to get to the final set piece of the second act. Yeah. So help me mm. God, I promise it won't be like a molten steel factory <laughs> well we have one in downtown i mean like if you could just base it on our no I'm just it's <laughs> it's starting to sound like Brantley wants to shoot this thing in your guys hometown so i mean if i ever do finish this i mean yeah. certainly you guys i think what producer credit for sure i mean <laughs> sure sure <laughs> well I'm, th- I'm trying to think like you know it, it's not like a it's not super rural but it's also not like a you know like too suburban or even like certainly not like urban um if it's like this nice kind of town i'm wondering if something almost like a more agricultural comes into play there you know like uh he's getting dragged away from 
maybe he's on the outskirts of Main Street or, or, or some other part of the town when the St. Bernard gets there and gets dragged more to like, you know, a farm and there's like threshers and a grain silo or like something like that. Yeah. Um, a dog would force him to get in a car. And chase oh, him. that's true. So that's a true. dog, because yep. a dog would be faster than a human host. Yeah. So yeah, that gets he him out gets of off the leash. Yeah. yeah, and then gets in a car. That's true. Right. I mean, agricultural gets you. You know, does it? Does it run into a? Uh, out to a farm, mm-hmm. and the threat of this thing like possibly getting to a chicken farm, you know, oh, where there's like yeah, thousands yeah. of chickens in this thing, like. Mm-hmm. what would that do or um i don't oh, know maybe they maybe they think he's trespassing on it when he comes flying in on his car in his car right yeah. and you've got the 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 owner or like just the, the the employees especially if it's some massive chicken farm right yeah i mean they've got and then they've got their shotguns and like you know what the hell's going on kind of thing kind of almost like a bit of a showdown there, but also gives you an opportunity to bring in some weapons here that might be used to help neutralize the, uh, the creature. What if it does manage to, I'm going to change the rules, Nick, just for the fun of this. (laughs) And it, it does, uh, it does infest like a thousand chickens and he's got to get like a corn thresher and just drive it through this chicken pen. And you just see like blood and, and feathers ripping up. I and love it. I mean, like, if it infests more than, you know, as long as the yeah, chicken is still, if it's yeah, multiple he's hosts, like, that's cool. I'm, I'm doing this for the greater good, you know, just, I got to do this. <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, and, well, hey, what do chickens do but lay eggs? Eggs are the start of life. I mean, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's all coming full circle. Oh, <laughs> right. the, the, post, the post credits is, like, one of those farmers looking at an egg. Like, this seems mm-hmm. weird. You know, yeah. and like some yeah. fucked up worm chicken thing break, like, breaks out like of it. It's like vibrating, you yeah. know, in the thing. He's like, what's going on? And then it just starts to, that's awesome. like, a, like the thing like almost saws it open or whatever as it flies out. Oh, yeah. You're definitely thinking as producers now. You want that oh, sequel yeah. cash. Oh, yeah. We got to franchise yeah. this movie. By the way, I've been like, I had to remind myself before we went in. I'm like, you know, don't don't try to be silly Hollywood handbook here, producer, as you're doing. Like, yeah. take it serious and and be real and helpful. Don't be like just ridiculous kind of. <laughs> oh, I think you guys have had a ton of good insight. Like this is this is reinvigorating my my love of this thing. You know, so yeah, cool. Because I cer- I certainly wasn't prepared when it. It was like, hey, here's an idea, and it was hit with like, okay, why don't you do it? It was like, oh shit, I hope I've got something that uh, that I could manage. And this was this was the most flesh out sort of fun mm. horror adjacent thing that I could think of. So well, I love it. A fun story. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I think I think this this could be like a really entertaining, uh, fun movie for sure. Definitely. Yeah. All right. What what about this? what's the potential of this being further horror draft episodes? Like, do, would you guys continue to do this with other people? Like if they brought, did you enjoy oh, this enough to want to yeah. do it again? This was a, yeah, this was, I love doing this kind of thing. This is great. Yeah. This is fun. Like helping to flesh out a story, but then also not having to do any prep work or any <laughs> of the hard work yeah. to prepare that story. That does help. Yeah. I, I, yeah. Th- is this what producers and like execs at studios do when they take pitches all day? They just like, sit and get to you know well what about this kind of vibe 
Because I feel like I'd excel now. If so, man, what a dream job, right? Right. Yeah. Um, I don't know. And I'm like, this is something that I'm not so connected to that I wouldn't. This is me inviting other people to like also pitch, you yeah. know, like on Discord or whatever to say like, oh, the the key would be have this and it would connect the dots that each of us were sort of trying to figure out how to break. So, yeah, definitely. But this yeah, is well, one of my favorite sort of things to talk about is a story I'll never write, but just put it out there. Mm-hmm. And speaking of, you know, inviting others to, to, to reach out and, and throw out ideas and speaking of discord bones podcast five day rentals has its own discord. So you can find him there. Uh, how do they get to the link to join your Discord there? Uh, you can find it on uh, the Twitter at Five Day Rentals okay. Pod. Yep, uh, I nice. run that. Um, you can also find Dan on uh, Instagram. He covers nice. that. So you guys come out with an episode every Sunday. Uh, they are based around a uh, non-genre specific category. They do rounds of it, so there's going to be three movies in each category essentially, because each one of the three hosts picks one. Uh, if you ever wanted a podcast that like gives you the feel of uh, the days you used to visit the video store, uh, this is the podcast for you. Five Day Rentals, um, and if you love. Uh, really fun and entertaining improv that starts every episode. This is also the podcast for you. So I, I, I've been a big fan of Five Day Rentals ever since uh, I became acquainted with the podcast, and I've loved listening to it. Nick and I have had the opportunity to come on and uh, be guests on the podcast, which has been a blast. Uh, it's always super fun and uh, enjoyable and you guys are uh, one of my favorite podcasts. So uh, thank you so much for coming on. And I really hope people check out the Five Day Rentals podcast as well. That means a ton, Brantley. You guys are a uh, podcast family as far as I'm concerned. Mm-hmm. Uh, the records with you guys have been some of, of my favorite, some of fan favorites, by the way. Oh, um, nice. Yeah, we just, we just recorded, uh, we just started QT's Cuties. That's the new category. So uh, yeah. movies featuring yes. Quentin Tarantino actors before they worked with him. So mm-hmm. uh, last night we recorded Alligator from 1980, which was a ton of fun. Nice. So ah. Well, that was a fun um, movie, so I'm looking and, forward to, to your guys' up on it. You guys are definitely coming back on, I hope. We got to do another category. So. The, the, the saga of Nick's... Uh, uh, telekinetic mind must continue <laughs> the, the yeah and his dominance in the rate my uh let it rate my box uh game you know. yeah yeah uh-huh. what a bummer so it has it has been extended the rewinds we've now decided to push them as we're doing this thunder and paradise spinoff mm-hmm. so the scores are getting outrageous so <laughs> it's but it's a ton of fun please come back please check it out like any literally any time you guys want to come on you have an open invitation if you just said on monday what's the movie i'll come on you know we'd love to have you so oh i would love to anytime no and vice versa yeah you guys are great uh it's always a blast talking to you and wait are we well no fuck it we don't have to put this in the episode but we're going to be talking to more of you soon so um, yeah Yeah. no i think hey 
Nick, announce it. We, we we finally know what our next. I know episode. we should announce every, it at the We've end of every episode. I always say next one. I don't know. TBD. Like come back. Right. Yeah. Well, I can kind of give people a little bit of a roadmap to what's going to be coming. Right. Do it. Our next episode, uh, we're going to be drafting final girls, and we're going to be doing that with Juliet and Teresa from the a fantastic podcast called Attack of the Final Girls, which I have been a big fan of for a long time, and they finally took my invitation to come on the pod. <laughs> uh, every time I listen to that podcast, I'm just like, they're explaining and talking about films in a way that I wish I was articulate enough to do because they're so like smart and like are able to express themselves verbally in a ways that I feel like I never do, especially when I listen back to this podcast as I edit it. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, Brantley, you're a friggin' idiot. Shut up. Like (laughs) every time I do it. Uh, But after uh, that episode, then we will be coming back with Bones' co-host on the five day rentals podcast, Cron Howard. And he's going to be coming on to draft animal horror films so that's super exciting we do have a little bit of a roadmap here and a a couple episodes that are uh kind of planned out already and uh hopefully fingers crossed although not confirmed yet a couple more even after that but i don't want to say anything so uh thank you everybody for listening go check out the five day rentals podcast Uh, seriously if you haven't checked it out yet you got it it's it's a blast um tune in next time for uh final girls when we draft that with the attack of the final girls uh julia and Teresa, and uh we'll see you next time